This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. Pleased to be with you. Plenty of uh, things we need to get into throughout the course of the show uh, tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some of Doug Peterson's comments, what he had to say on Monday, day following the Eagles' uh, loss to Arizona. As I was talking to Rob about during the uh, crossover, though, the rare loss that doesn't really feel like a loss. It's weird for the Eagles to, to drop a game this late into the season, pretty much kills their playoff hopes. Um, but, you know, I, I sense that a lot of people aren't feeling that way because of the play Jalen Hurts. And, you know, because of the the, the renewed, I guess, um, faith people have in the future of this organization as things look dramatically different than they did uh, a few weeks ago. You know, you look back and, and you got a little bit of a glimpse of it in the Green Bay game and then uh, more in the New Orleans game and then uh, again in the Arizona game uh, of Jalen Hurts and the things he's able to do and... I think that's given people a lot of hope moving forward. So uh, we'll get to what Doug had to say later on. Um, we'll get to the Sixers. I see a couple guys on hold now want to talk about the Sixers. So we will we'll get to him. We'll 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 dive into the Sixers situation and the situation with James Harden as well. Um, and the fact that the Sixers right now, in my mind, are in a position of power. I, I think the Sixers are in a rare position of power with their conversations they're having with the Rockets about James Harden um, that not many other teams are. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, plenty of, of things that I need to dive into. I'll give you my uh, backup quarterback theory later on. And also, uh, uh, I saw a preview for a movie uh, that's, I guess, coming out soon um, before I watched something the other day. And I was stunned to see who one of the stars in the movie was. So we'll get to that later on um, as well. But we will start with, you know, another day and more discussion about the future of the Philadelphia Eagles franchise. And, you know, I still can't really believe that we've gotten here. I talked about this before where I think about the night when Jalen Hurts was drafted. And, uh, you know, I'll remember it forever. It was the last night I was spending at my apartment in the city. We, my wife and I were moving the next day, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand the pick. I thought Carson Wentz had played well 
at the end of last season, at least at the end, you know, the season as a whole was somewhat up and down, as we've talked about, you know, at nauseum. There are other factors at play, be it the receiver play being bad at times. Um, Many of the same things we've heard this year, the only difference is last year, I think they were much more valid. This year, I thought they've been more of excuses to make up for Carson Wentz playing poorly. Last year, I thought uh, the excuses were more valid. Um, I thought the receivers were worse, and, um, you know, that did have somewhat of an effect, maybe not as big an effect as we felt at the time. Um, But the Eagles... Select Jalen Hurts. I didn't get it. I thought there was other value you could have gotten at the position, other other spots on this roster that could have been addressed to better position the Eagles moving forward at the time. And nine months later, I've completely flipped on this issue. Based on the way Carson Wentz has played, which nobody could have seen coming, For him to regress to this level is truly unprecedented. And while you can rip the front office for many things, you know, they did not cause this to happen. We'll get more to that uh, a little later on. But the idea that that the front office drafting Jalen Hurts kind of impacted Carson Wentz in such a negative fashion I just don't buy it, and I honestly think it's unfair uh, to the Eagles' front office to jump to that conclusion and just excuse um, the play of the quarterback. Because this could have happened, and I I think would have happened, regardless of whether Jalen Hurts was here or not. But nobody could have foreseen this. Nobody could have foreseen this kind of regression of a quarterback who was considered one of the better ones in the league. You know, I I think there was a range. Some people thought he was a top 10 guy. Other people thought he was a top half of the league guy. But I I think everybody was pretty much of the mindset that this is, at worst, around the 20th best quarterback in the NFL. And nobody expected this level of play to persist. But, you know, I've also flipped because of the way Jalen Hurts has played. And yeah, it's a very small sample size, but sometimes you just know. Sometimes you know if a guy has it, and I believe whatever it is, you know, and, and it it kind of can't be defined necessarily, but Hertz has this kind of intangible factor to him that you know, I think you need to see, uh, uh, you know, in person to truly understand because he's not a guy who's going to wow you as far as the measurables go. It's why he fell in the draft. Um, people did not value what he did at the college level as much as they valued the, uh, you know, kind of the the measurables how he projected moving forward, and the things that these front offices typically look for in quarterbacks, size, arm strength, um, you know, uh, those kind of things were were, were looked at more than his actual resume. When it's becoming increasingly obvious that 
the resume and, and the way the guy plays on the field and the way he impacts the people around him should have been taken far more into account. Now, I still think you need to see more. But regardless of what I think and whether I would trade Carson Wentz or not and whether I would move forward with Jalen Hurts in the long term as the future face of the Eagles franchise or not, the reality of the situation is that this is getting much closer to happening. You know, every day that passes, this is getting much closer to being a reality that this is the way the Eagles move. As reports leak out about Carson Wentz and him feeling betrayed by the organization and him not wanting to be a backup and not wanting to compete for a job next year, and we'll get to those those the, the sound of that um, later on, some of the reporting that's being done by Adam Schefter and Dan Orlovsky. But you couple that with Jalen Hurts' play over the last couple games and, you know, what could happen in the next two, you know, and could Jalen Hurts fall off the face of the earth and play very poorly in the last two games? I mean, I guess that is a possibility. I certainly don't see it happening. I don't see Jalen Hurts all of a sudden um, not productively moving this offense because I think this is a, 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 a an offense that can function as long as there is a quarterback who's playing competently and playing competently. And that is what Jalen Hurts has been able to do, and I've seen nothing from him to indicate that that's going to stop over the last two weeks, especially this upcoming week, against the Dallas defense that is flat-out awful. And as this happens, it's becoming more of a possibility, and I would say at this point a probability, that Carson Wentz will get dealt in the offseason. And as we start the show tonight, and it's something I want to do throughout the course of the show as we get into a number of different things, but we will look hard at the implications of trading Carson Wentz now because a a lot has been made about this in regards to the contract and, um, you know, the type of compensation the Eagles could get in return the places that could be looking to a uh, to acquire a quarterback like Carson Wentz. We'll dive into all those factors because um, I don't think the negatives of this situation are nearly as, as bad as people ha- have, have discussed and made them out to be. And I'll get to the cap situation because it's really, you know, not not bad at all after next year. Next year, you're going to take a hit, but you're going to take a hit whether Carson Wentz is here or not. So the money really shouldn't factor into this decision as as far as I see it. The money shouldn't factor into this decision at all. This is about what's best for your franchise now and what's best for your franchise over the next five to ten years. And the more time that passes, the more it seems like all of this aligns with Carson Wentz being moved. So we will look at all the aspects of a trade and what it would mean for the Eagles organization. But uh, I want to ask to start the show, would you trade Carson Wentz now? Would you do it this offseason? You know, would you kind of take that leap of faith? We talked last night a little bit about where you were leaning at this point. But I I want to, you know, 
ask you right now, are you ready to take that leap of faith? Are you ready to to make that move now and take what I guess some would consider a risk in dealing a guy who has shown in the past he can be successful? Now, 2017, as I've mentioned before, is an extremely long time ago when you look at it in football years. Three years in football time is 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 uh, you know a lot of things happen in that span. Michael Vick had a great season in 2010. 2013 was the first year of Chip Kelly um, when Michael Vick was competing with Nick Foles. Now, obviously, different situations, but it just shows how much happens in that course of time and how little. Uh, in my mind, at least, a great season three years in the past really, really matters. But I want to know where you stand right now. Would you make the move this offseason? And is there any possibility that you see that Carson Wentz could remain here? With these reports leaking out, it's becoming, uh, you know, to, to it's starting to look to me like it's almost going to be an untenable situation. Um, So... That's kind of where I want to start tonight. You know, would you move Carson Wentz? And, it, you know, or do you think he could remain? And what would you look to get back for in a trade? I'm interested in the what people think the compensation might be. I think there is certainly a market for Carson Wentz. We'll look at some of the teams that could be in the mix for a quarterback. But, you know, I look at the compensation. I think you are going to get um, legit value. There are a lot of quarterback-desperate teams out there. A lot of teams that, by necessity, need to take a a risk on a guy like Carson Wentz because they don't have any better options and haven't had any better options in the past. So we will look at all the pros and cons of what could happen with a Carson Wentz trade and really explore that possibility tonight as it becomes more and more realistic and more and more probable this is probably going to happen this offseason. I... the more time that passes, I, I kind of don't see any other way that this plays out. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, let's get it started. Alex in Queens. What's up, Alex? Hey, what's up? So, what's going on? Know, I wanted to bring up from last year, you know, when Carson Wentz started 5-7, and seven, right, he still won five games, meaning those five wins were coming against teams like the Giants and Redskins, and he's winning them. I would say well, they weren't close games, like three-point games. So, therefore, this notion that a four-game stretch against the worst teams in the NFL last year with terrible coaching staff who ended up getting fired, with a roster that still had Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and an O-line that graded better, according to PFF, than all those teams that they played in that four-game stretch, and their defense was better, when Carson Wentz needs overtime to beat the Giants, led by Eli Manning, and he barely beats the Redskins, I gave away a lot more concerns than those four games, and I was impressed because I saw a 40-year-old quarterback on a torn hamstring have a 100 passer rating in a playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks with the same receivers went that, and he had a 70% completion percentage in that playoff game. Remember, they lost 17-9, to but they gave away two field goals because they went for it in the fourth quarter. If McCown played all four quarters, they might even won that game. So all I'm saying is, like, what Carson Wentz did at the end of the season last year was not at all impressive, and it was a steady decline since 2018. We saw the 5-6 and six start in 2018. We saw last year start 5-7. and seven. He got lucky that he played two and, you know, two 
three and thirteen teams, the rest of the Giants, who fired your coaches. That's what happened at the end of last year. And obviously you're aided by having a great coach in Doug Peterson. You have guys like Miles Sanders, you know, Zach Ertz. So to me this was a long time coming that you can see the handwriting in the wall from the beginning. No, it, uh, and uh, Alex, I, I do think that, you know, I was uh, – I didn't necessarily see it at first. And, and you know, you look back, um, though, and you look at the numbers and you look at the games, really aside from that December last year, it has been somewhat of a steady decline. When you look at the fact that before that Miami game, I mean, Carson played two games against New England and against Seattle that at that point I thought were the two worst games of his career and um, I think are were kind of an indicator of what was to come this season. Correct. And to me the most mind-blowing stat that I saw was you look at the greatest play callers in the NFL and some of the greatest rosters that had the greatest weapons, Jerry Weiss, you know, we, we know Russell Wilson was once a rookie, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. Now, he, he's the first rookie in the history of the NFL to throw for 500 yards and, a, and rush for 150 yards in, a, in his first two games. So, to me, that just gives so much credit to Doug Peterson and his ability as a play caller, considering that no quarterback has ever done that. And under this guy's tutelage, Doug Peterson, Jalen Hurts was able to accomplish that record which to me just proves how much of a good coach Doug Peterson No, no, I agree that Doug's a good coach, and Jalen Hurts has been incredibly um, incredibly impressive. There's no doubt about it, and those numbers speak for themselves. Just real quick, Alex, before we, we finish the call here, uh, you, you know we, under, we, we um, recognize your voice, right? Right. I, I mean, just, so you don't need to call, for, call Ricky on aliases. You, you know that, right? Oh, okay. I, I think right. it just came up as a different phone. I used a different yeah. phone. So oh, okay. Came up and, All right, because you, yeah. you were John in Roxborough last night or something like that. And yeah. And we, we, were having a laugh, phone, we, were, so. we were just having a laugh about it. We right. just want to let you know yeah, that any, we, we, we know your voice. Anyway, I do think that if they somehow were to bring back Nick Foles as a backup, I think that would work tremendously. His knowledge of the game and just from a – just having him in that room, that lock, that quarterback room, I think for Jalen, it would really, really benefit to have a guy with that experience. And obviously, Injuries can happen to anyone, and we know what Foles can do if he has to step in. So to me, that would be if somehow they can do that next going forward. That no, I hear you, Alex. Sorry, your phone. You should use that other phone because that phone doesn't work very well. But yeah, Alex had called last night, called Ricky on like an alias, and you know we, we you know, Alex is a regular caller. We we recognize your voice. You don't need to, you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, use a different name. We'll, we'll get you up. Um, but. Yeah, that 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 possibility is interesting, and we'll we'll get to that a little later on because, um, you know, again, we're looking way ahead when we talk about who would be a backup for Jalen Hurts. I mean, you're looking way into the future. I mean, Carson Wentz is still on the team as of right now. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to be um into next season, but uh, you know, you look at backup quarterbacks, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, and I don't think Jalen Hurts would be the kind of player who would be negatively affected um, by a, a guy like that coming in, in Nick Foles, um, even with all the success that he's had in this city. But it's an interesting possibility uh, that we will definitely dive into um, in a little more detail later on. 215-592-9494. See, Paul and Jack both want to talk about the Sixers. We'll get you guys both up when we get back. Also, Peter and Delco. Uh, so, whatever you want to get into early on. But I want to know, are you ready to move on from Carson Wentz um, at this point um, with the, uh, you know, with what Jalen Hurts has done over the last few weeks? It's been incredibly impressive. 
And as uh, the days pass, it, it just seems to be coming not only more of a probability, but almost an inevitability that this is the way uh, this thing is headed. And also, if you want to get in on the Sixers, you're welcome to. Season for the Sixers starting up tomorrow night as they host the Wizards. Uh, but there is an NBA doubleheader tonight. Season gets underway. you got the Warriors and Nets and the Clippers-Lakers. So I'm excited to watch some basketball tonight as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, As we discuss the Eagles quarterback situation, which, I mean, I I made a joke about, you know, people say, oh, why don't you talk about something else? Well, it's a pretty big deal, and it's probably going to be talked about on the station a lot until there's a resolution. And um, Jalen Hurts playing well just complicates this situation even more, you know? And there were already, you know, I guess concerns about cars, certainly concerns the way he's played this year. But Jalen Hurts playing the way he's playing is making this decision almost for the Eagles. Like, I'm almost, I'm not sure what the options the Eagles are going to have um come the offseason, but it's becoming more realistic, and we will dive into all the aspects of what a Carson Wentz trade might mean for the organization moving forward because, you know, there are some capital implications, can't be ignored, the kind of compensation they could get back um, and all that stuff. But I want to know, do you are you at that point where you would make the move uh, and move forward with Jalen Hurts? Um, and if so, you know, where would you look to move Carson Wentz? What would you look to get back? Um, and, you know, if you think there's a scenario where Carson Wentz can remain with the team, whether he's starter or the backup, I'd love to hear uh, from you as well. But I, I kind of uh, want to know if people are ready uh, at this point um, to make that move after just two-plus games. 215-592-9494. Also, we will get into the Sixers tonight. As the season starts tomorrow, kind of unbelievable. The NBA is already um, starting back up. Uh, it feels like just a couple nights ago I was watching the end of the finals. But uh, get started tonight. Um, I did an NBA recap on my show the other night, but I'll, I'll kind of uh, do a shorter version of it a little later in the show um, and kind of give you some of my predictions for this season. But uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see this team. I think they are uh, going to be much better than last year. They'll be much more fun to watch. I mean, let's just face it. That team last year was not fun to watch in any way. And uh, you have a much uh, you have a team now that fits just so much better around your two stars, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And um, I think they'll be benefited uh, so much more by the pieces around them. I thought Joel Embiid specifically in the preseason game that he played looked phenomenal from a a, a fitness standpoint. He looked leaner. He looked like he's dropped a, a little bit of weight. Um, and he looked in shape. And you know, if Doc Rivers and this coaching staff can get through to him and Ben Simmons can kind of flourish with shooters around him, I'm not nearly as concerned about the shooting part of it as most people are. Um, I think it's more important what's around him. Um, and if with these, the, the players around them now to be more conducive to those two guys succeeding, um, 
I'm excited to see it. And also, we'll get into the James Harden stuff as well um, and whether you would move Ben in a James Harden deal. Let's go to uh, Paul Mapleshade. What's up, Paul? Hi, how you doing? Good. Um, I think um, the Sixers are open on Wednesday. I think the Sixers can win the NBA title. Let me explain. Doc Rivers is a championship coach. Uh, Joel Embiid can be the MVP. He says, I owe the city a championship. He can get 40 points and 20 rebounds. Ben Simmons can get uh, 20 points and 15 assists. He can be the defensive player of the year. And you still got Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Shake Milton, Dwight Howard, and Furkan Cormis. Well, I think you're you're overstating it a little bit, Paul. So you think you think Embiid's going to win the MVP? You said right. Yeah. And you think Simmons is going to average twenty points, fifteen assists, and then I yeah. think you might be overrating the role players a little bit as well. I mean, there are a lot of other good teams in the NBA, and I, I think the Sixers are going to be better. I don't know if you can just project them to win a championship though with this current roster. Well. If, if Joel and B can be healthy, I, I mean, he can be the MVP. Yeah, but but you don't think any of these other teams are, are gonna are gonna get better, or, or any of the other stars are gonna get better as well? Well, I don't think LeBron James he, he could decline a little bit. So there's um... there's no indication LeBron James is declining anytime soon, Paul. Well, I just think the Sixers with um, with Doc Rivers as the coach. Can can do it. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, and I appreciate the call. Thanks. I and I don't want to dampen Paul's optimism at all. There, you know, I, I don't want to kind of rain on his parade. I hope that's the case. I hope, um, you know, the Sixers flourish under Doc Rivers, and I think they're going to be a better team under Doc Rivers. I think, you know, this is kind of the perfect team for Doc Rivers to come into. It didn't work great with the Clippers last year. Um, you hear some things about the dynamics of that locker room. I mean, just in general, I don't know how that relationship, how good that relationship could have been between Doc Rivers and, and Paul George, for instance. If you don't know all the information on that relationship, I'd say go read more about it. Uh, just putting it mildly, it's strained. Um you know, Paul George used to be involved with Doc's daughter and cheated on her, and, and there was a whole lot of stuff that went down there. So I'm not sure how great that relationship could have gone. Um, and also, you know, you bring in Kawhi, you bring in a bunch of pieces. It was kind of a, a mishmash of guys who hadn't been together. So um, there were a lot of factors at play last year. Obviously, uh, much more veteran uh, players who felt more entitled on that team as well. But you bring Doc Rivers here into a, a, a young roster, a group of, of, of players who, you know, kind of need that veteran presence guy that's been around, because I do think part of Brett Brown's, um, you know, weaknesses were the fact that he, this still was his first head coaching job. He was still learning all these things. Doc Rivers has been around this game for a long time. And getting through to young players and being able to coach guys hard, uh, you know, is something that I'm sure Doc Rivers is anxious to get back to, and it's probably exactly what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons need. So I think he's going to help. Um, but to just say before we even see this team on the court for a real game that they are, you know, your favorites to win the NBA championship, I think that's a little premature. Let's go to Jack in New York. What's up, Jack? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? So I think uh, I'm going to talk a little Sixers. Um, yeah, I think Harden 
I think he's the right move. I mean, if you want to win now, if you want to win this year, I mean, think about Harden, you know, coming up to the three-point line. The options there are just, you know, ridiculous. I mean, you puts everyone on their heels, you know. He can shoot the three. He can drive. He can, uh, you know, dish to Embiid. He has shooters around him. I mean, and for him, it's like it gives him the opportunity, you know, basically to go after a championship, you know. And I just think if you want to win now as the Sixers, you know, he's the right move. Yeah, Jack, I would – I'll say this. I would consider it, but this is the thing with Harden. I think the Sixers are negotiating in a position of power right now where I don't think they need to do it right this second. Like, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm intrigued by what I have. Like, I would like to come out and see this team play, you know, six to eight weeks – and decide then what you want to do because I think the Rockets will wait for the Sixers. You know, I don't okay, think but- I don't think they're in any rush to to do a deal to do a worse deal than they could get with the Sixers down the line. Right, but what is I, I feel like you know you're, I feel like um, Simmons' value could go down if he doesn't you know start off the season strong. His value can drop actually, and now maybe you can trade and you know kind of do a one-for-one deal or, you know, maybe have to add something in there. But I just think from a from a winning now standpoint, and also I think it's good for Embiid. I mean, I think he just, you know, he's a veteran that, you know, can bring a lot of, you know, experience to the team. Well, um, I, I, well, I don't I, know if Doc will do it, but and in the end, obviously, Doc sees what Simmons is doing on the floor now in practice and, and we'll make that decision. I think if Doc really thinks Harden's the right choice, then it'll happen before, you know, it'll happen very soon. Well, I don't think it's Doc's decision. I think it's it's Daryl Morey's decision more well, than anybody else, ultimately. And Daryl Morey, obviously, he knows James Harden better than anybody else would. Um, but I, I, when I look at this situation, I just don't really see the rush from the Sixers' perspective. I don't think Simmons stock is going to go down. Um, I think he's going to come out, and I think he's going to be uh, very, very uh, effective with this new roster surrounding him, and I just don't think the Rockets are going to get a, a better offer. Other than excitement, you know, which I do, I'd like to see how Simmons plays this year, but you, you're you going to say to me, really, that you think that this team is better without Harding on it just in the beginning of the season if you put him on right now? You know, when he's, you know, the options he has when he comes down the floor, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, play him tight or he's going to bang a three on you. And if you don't play him tight, you know, he's got so many options there. No, you, and you don't think that, except for defense, obviously. But. Right. No, definitely. There, there's that aspect to it uh, that's there. And I appreciate the call, Jack. Thanks. Certainly. I mean, from an offensive perspective, yeah, James Harden and Joel Embiid together would be extremely dynamic. Um, but uh, got at the break here. I'll get more into this next segment and, and kind of give you my full take on the James Harden situation and, and why I think the Sixers are in a position of power here that really no other team in the James Harden sweepstakes is in. And another development uh, on Monday that I think even puts the Sixers in in um a higher leverage position. So we'll get into that uh, next segment. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, we'll get the we'll, we'll keep talking about the Eagles quarterback situation and Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and all the stuff, all the fallout from that um, as we move forward here. I'll get to in the next segment. Um, you know, why I don't think the salary cap ramifications of this are nearly as as negative as people have discussed. You know, all you hear about when you talk about should the Eagles trade Carson Wentz uh, is, well, uh, you can't trade Carson Wentz. I mean, it'll kill your cap. That's not really true um, moving forward. If anything, I, I actually think it, it gives the Eagles a ton of options moving forward. Uh, so we will we'll, we'll touch on that in the next segment. Um, and I'll play some sound from Peter King from the afternoon show uh, that, um, you know, I played late in the show last night, but I'll let you hear it again for uh, the audience who wasn't still around because, uh, you know, this shouldn't be a very complicated situation if Carson Wentz wants to get out, which the reporting is that he wants to, to leave. And if the, if that's the case, um, he and the Eagles should should be able to work together in, in some ways uh, to to. Uh, facilitate trade. So we will get to that in the next segment. But I did want to uh, give you my full opinion on the James Harden situation. As, you know, this has been surrounding the Sixers for weeks here. And really, the conversation about James Harden potentially ending up with the Sixers began, I would say, before even James Harden had reported that he, before it was reported that he wanted to trade. I mean, the minute the Sixers... Uh, you know, hire Daryl Morey, it, it, people started connecting those dots in terms of, okay, well, the Sixers hired Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey comes from the Houston Rockets organization. It seems like a natural fit that the Sixers could be in the market for James Harden, um, considering their need for a number one scoring option from the perimeter uh, to pair with Joel Embiid. Um, and when I look at the, the James Harden situation here, um, I think it's something the Sixers need to obviously strongly consider. When you have the ability to get a player like this, you're not doing your due diligence if you are not looking into it. Of course, you are going to look into James Harden and, uh, you know, weigh whether this is the right option for your franchise. Um, But when I look at it in regards to the Sixers, the Sixers are in a situation that no other team is in that is inquiring about Harden. Because the Sixers have an asset that nobody else has. You know, um, it benefits the Sixers to wait, and it benefits the Rockets to do this now. That's why these reports are leaking, like the report that leaked last week, late last week, about the Sixers including Ben Simmons in trade talks. There's a reason that came out. It came from the Houston Rockets because they are trying to make things uncomfortable within the Sixers organization so they can force this kind of deal. Because they're going to have to trade James Harden. James Harden has no interest in remaining in Houston. And if you want any further um, confirmation of that, just listen to James Harden. 
Here was James Harden on Monday when asked, now that he's in camp, uh, whether things, uh, whether his stance has changed at all. James, now that you've been in camp for about a week, do you feel any better about this situation now than you did before you arrived? Next question. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. James Harden wants out of Houston. He knows he needs to go to work right now or he's not going to get paid. So he is, is the Rockets are trying to make this as tenable as they can until they uh, can get something done. But the Sixers are in a situation where they have the best thing that, that any team can offer, that any team in the James Harden sweepstakes uh, can offer them. And that is Ben Simmons. And that is why there is no rush for the Sixers to do this. And as we've talked about the previous two callers, um, who, you know, one caller said he thought the Sixers were championship contenders. The other caller said, you know, they're clearly not. And the right answer is, I don't know. Like, I really don't know right now what this Sixers team is going to be. None of us do. But the Sixers have this, this luxury where they can go out, they can send the roster that they have out on the floor for six to eight weeks. And that is exactly the time frame that I would look at if I was Darren Moore. I would give this, you know, probably about two months. And I would see how does this look with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, surrounded by players that will help open up their games. Because I don't think it's fair at all, really, to judge either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid on what happened last season. You know, they were both dealing with injuries, and they were both dealing with a roster that was not conducive to either of their success. If anything, that roster uh, was going to hold them back and was going to have a negative impact on them. You look at the team this year, they are surrounded with the types of players that should open up their games. And I think you wait two months and you see where you are. You use your eyes and you see what does this team look like. Because who knows? We could get to that point and the Sixers could have the best or the second best record in the Eastern Conference. And Ben Simmons could make that leap. And we could, you know, find ourselves in a situation where you look at it and you say, okay, well, if we make some smaller moves, because Daryl Morey will do some things to the roster this year. Like, this roster that is starting um, on Wednesday night, whether it's Simmons for Harden or not, this is not the roster that the Sixers will take into the playoffs. Like, it, there, there's just no way that ends up being the case. They will make moves to improve the team, whether they are blockbuster moves or whether they are, you know, smaller but still significant additions. Daryl Morey will find a way to improve this team as the season moves on. But I'm not ready to just say goodbye to Ben Simmons without giving this thing a legitimate chance. And I think you have to, and you have the luxury to. Because Houston's not trading James Harden anywhere else until they know Ben Simmons is off the table. What better offer are they going to get? You, you look at the teams right now that apparently are in the mix still. And this is the, the development that I think helped the Sixers on Monday, is that apparently Miami has said, for now, they're out. Because they're unwilling to deal 
you know, to center a deal around Tyler Hero. Now, I if I was the Rockets, I wouldn't trade for Tyler Hero, um, you know, instead of Ben Simmons. I don't think Tyler Hero is going to be as good as Ben Simmons long-term. Tyler Hero had a great postseason last year. It doesn't mean that that's what he projects to be moving forward. And, you know, you look at the other teams involved, you're looking at the Nets. The Nets' best player, they can trade draft picks. Draft picks are largely meaningless considering the Nets are going to be drafting late in the first round every year um, if they're good as expected. So the best player the Rockets are going to get back is Karis LeVert and draft picks? They're not taking that kind of deal for James Harden. The Nuggets are in the mix. I mean, I guess the Nuggets could give Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a good player. He's not going to be Ben Simmons. So there's a reason these reports are leaking out, and there's a reason why the Rockets want to get this thing done now. Because they don't want the Sixers to go out and have a look at their team. They don't want the Sixers to go out and... and and, you know, play for two months and say it does work tremendously. And now the Sixers don't want to trade for for James Harden. The Sixers have all the leverage here. You know, and I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. If you get to that point and it's evident that you're not contending for a title this year, then you do it then. The Sixers should absolutely look to be championship contenders this year. This is not even building a – this is not even about – you know, being so afraid of letting Ben Simmons go for the future. Obviously, you'd like to keep him for the future because he's a lot younger than James Harden, and I think moving forward has more potential in the long term. Um, But I still think there's a a world in which this team can compete with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid for a championship this year. Um, I'm not taking James Harden off the table by any means. And if you're not, if you don't believe at that two-month mark, that you're a contender, you do it then, but there's no need to do it right now. Um, and the Sixers shouldn't do it right now without look giving this team that they have assembled a look to see how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid um, improve with players around them uh, that should help them do so. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Tim. What's up, Tim? Hey, what's going on, Tom? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I, I feel like I got to be that guy. Like, okay. I, 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 would, I wouldn't do it. You would not do it under any circumstances, regardless of how, you know, it looks once the season starts. Well, two reasons. The first one being the last couple of years, this, like Charles Barkley said on, um, on, on the NBA broadcast, the Sixers have no heart. So to bring in a guy who doesn't play any defense at all, which, you know, okay, they'll score a lot of points. But then you hit the nail on the head. But even if you bring in James Harden, that still wouldn't be the final piece of the puzzle. You'd have to make smaller trades, bring in guys who just play lockdown defense. Right. I mean, well, you look at it, Tim. I don't think it's necessarily fair to say they don't have heart, and that's why I wouldn't do it. I I wouldn't do it just if you put out this team this year and they look really good, you know, then you might not need to. And and if – if all things are preferred and you can be a contender either way, I'd rather be a contender with what you have now because it helps you long-term more. Absolutely. Like, And once again, to hit on what you said, Simmons is younger than Harden. You know, his ups, he still has a very high ceiling. But that's why I said about being that guy. Like, who wouldn't want, you know, a former MVP on their roster? 
You know, a guy who offensively, he has everything you'd want. But in baseball terms, he's not a five-tool player. No, but he kind of gives you what you're lacking. Like, Tim, I'm not I'm not denying the fact that James Harden could help this team significantly offensively. He certainly could. But uh, I guess the, the question I want to ask you, you're obviously not on board doing this right now. What if you get to, like, two months in, you get to March 1st, and it's clear the Sixers can't contend for a championship with what they have? Would you trade for James Harden at that point? Um... If the offense is lackluster, then I think at that point you would have to. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at at this point. I just I I don't I don't think you do it now, but I'm certainly not taking it off the table altogether. So see, that's the thing is, I think if you if you did it now, see how the team looked, you'd still have to make minor moves. Right. Like a but, month or two from now, like see, like shore up the defense because. Yeah, but minor moves, minor moves are easy to make, Tim. You can make minor moves. Because, you know, you look at the top teams in the East, like Toronto, they'll D you up every time you come down the court. Every time. Yeah, and, and you'll have to add to the team, certainly. And I appreciate the call, Tim. Um, but I'm not worried about that part of it. Like, Daryl Morey will make minor moves to improve the team. You can – I mean, that's honestly not that hard to do. If you remember a couple years ago, you know, the Sixers end up getting Bellinelli and Ilyasova um, on buyouts, and they ended up being, you know, valuable contributors. Like, you'll find guys later in the season to add to play a role. I'm not really worried about that. I'm worried about the core. Um, and, again, I'm not taking it off the table, certainly. I mean, you'd be you'd be not doing your job correctly if you took it off the table. But I want to see this team as currently constituted. And because of the fact that, the Rockets aren't going to get a better offer. Um, I don't think the Sixers need to be in any kind of rush. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Uh, Mike in South Philly will be first right after the break. And then you, if you want to get in, got open lines as we talk about the James Harden situation. I want to know where people stand on this. Would you make the deal for James Harden? I would wait. I would see what this team looks like because, um, bottom line, Rockets aren't getting any better offers right now. And the Sixers don't need to do anything at this moment. Uh, so I would, uh, I'd wait for now, but certainly, um, you know, keep it in the back pocket if you end up needing to do it down the line. Also, the implications of trading Carson Wentz. We will get to some of the salary cap implications, which I don't think are nearly as severe as some people have, have made it out to be. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning uh, discussing the Eagles and the implications of moving on from Carson Wentz. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm planning a little something controversial for uh, I'm, uh, hosting the afternoon show on Thursday. And they have the LTBB. I, I think I'm going to start the LTBG on Thursday afternoon on the afternoon show. Let the Bronco go. Uh, group. Uh, so I'll figure out exactly what I'm doing with that. But uh, hosting the afternoon show Thursday and hosting the midday show on Friday uh, for Christmas Eve and Christmas. So be on some different shifts uh, later in the week. But the implications of trading Carson Wentz, um, and I'll get into a few minutes why it's not as bad as a cap penalty to trade him moving forward as some people 
uh, believe it is. You know, it hurt you next year. And then after that, um, you know, I think really opens some things up for the Eagles. And even whether you're a fan of Carson Wentz or not, um, this might be for the best for the organization moving forward. So uh, we'll get to that. Also, James Harden and Ben Simmons. Would you make the trade um, between the two of them? Would you trade Ben Simmons for James Harden? I'm not doing it right now uh, because the Sixers don't need to. They really don't. They're in a position of power here where they can wait and see what this team looks like. The Rockets are not going to get a better offer. They're not. The Rockets want Ben Simmons. I'm fully convinced of that. And the fact that that report leaked out last week that, oh, well, the Sixers are, are have talked about Ben Simmons. Who do you think put that out there? I guarantee you the Sixers didn't want it out there. The Rockets wanted it out there because they want to force this as quickly as possible because they're worried that the Sixers will come out and this new roster will play well and the Sixers will pull Ben Simmons off the table and then the Rockets will have to take an offer uh, from the Nets, which is uh, like Karis LeVert and a bunch of late first-round picks. That That's not anywhere near fair value. If the Rockets get Ben Simmons, they know that they can build their organization around him. Because I, I, I do think you can build around Ben Simmons. I think the flaws in his game are incredibly overstated. And I, I just think it's a real short-sighted um, opinion of people to think, oh, he can't shoot, he's worthless, get rid of him. No, he's not. He's a very productive player and is only going to get better um, as his career goes on. And I've always thought the thing that Ben Simmons um, needs to develop the most is not his shot from the mid-range, not his three-point shot. It's his free-throw shooting. If he can become a 75 80% free-throw shooter, I mean, he, he's going to be pretty much unstoppable. Um, because, you know, I think right now his hesitance to go to the basket stems from his kind of reluctance to go to the line. Once he stops worrying about that and becomes consistent from the line, which he's gotten better at, not to the level he needs to, um, but once he can get better uh, to that extent, it's going to open up so much more for him and the people um, around him. But real quick before we go to Mike in South Philly here, um, Dan Wilson is producing the show tonight, and I, I, I needed to bring this up because I saw this. I was watching something uh, the other day, and you know how when – you're watching a show or something. I think it was on Hulu. There's like these 30-second previews of what's upcoming in the, uh, you know, things that are getting released. And I had to do a double take. First, first, Dan, have you ever heard of a film um, called Sylvie's Love that is coming out? I think I have. I think I know where you're going with okay. this because I remember – are, are we talking former Philly athlete in the movie thing here? Yeah. Okay, I know exactly. Because I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Because I'm, uh, I, I see previews for this movie, and it stars Tessa Thompson, who is a very popular actress. If, if you if you know her, she was in the Creed franchise. She's in the um, Marvel franchise and the Thor movies. Uh, she's in Westworld, like very popular actress. And then I see it's like it's like this 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 uh, I guess ro- a rom com, a romantic. Well, I don't even know if it's comedy, but it looks like that kind of movie. But I did a double take when I looked and and I see like her romantic interest in the movie, and I I, I I'm like I think that's Nandi Asimov. 
I'm, I knew his wife was an actress. And then I'm like, I, I think that that's Namdi Aswan. I didn't, uh, he can't be an actor now. And then I go to IMDb and it's Namdi Aswan. I was stunned. Yeah, there was some news about this. I want to say it was six weeks ago when it was first announced that the movie would be coming out. But yeah, I was stunned to see this too. And then apparently, what is it coming out soon? I guess is it for the holidays? I guess. January? I don't know. I mean, I have no interest in seeing it um, because I I despise Namdi Asamoah. It would be a real shame if Hulu blew the coverage for the movie. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I, I don't know when it comes out, but I was just I was just shocked. I, I was absolutely shocked uh, to see um, Namdi making his acting debut um, because he doesn't. You know. We're, he was eating lunch in his car. He didn't seem to be that personable of a guy. I, I don't know. I just, I, I was just very surprised by that um, to see that he's in a movie and, and seemingly, I, I mean, I guess it's going to be popular. Tessa Thompson's a very, very uh, famous and and successful actress. I, I think they could have done a better job. I mean. I figure he could have gotten a bigger name than Namdi. So was, just... he eat, was he eating burnt toast in the car? Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> that just surprised me. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. And if you have any interest in seeing the uh, Namdi movie that's coming out uh, soon, uh, let me know. Uh, let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? Hey, how's it going? His wife, Kerry Washington, she is a beautiful woman. Yeah, she yeah, is stunning. Did you see the the preview I'm talking about, Mike? Have you seen this? I, I didn't see it on Hulu, but I did see a preview all, online. Okay. Because I would, yeah. like, I, I see, and obviously I recognize Tessa Thompson, but then I'm seeing, like, the guy she's, like, hugging and kissing. And I'm like, is that is that Namdi? I, I was stunned by it. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, yeah, he obviously has Hollywood connections with right. his wife, so I'm sure. Um, yeah, you could stream it from your car while you're eating lunch before you Ex- come to work. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's how it's designed to be watched. That's how sure. you pay homage to it. Yeah. Right. By the way, I got a, a social media gripe for you. Okay. What do you got? I didn't have one tonight. The people now do giving uh, taking selfies of themselves getting the COVID vaccine. Like, look, I, yeah. I get why it was done at first because it's kind of like you know it's kind of like a, a PR. Like the, the vaccine's here. We want to show everybody it's real, so everybody's going to post your photos. Kind of like you know when when. Uh, nonprofits and businesses cut the ribbon when they first open. But, like, now that that's all out of the way, like, does every regular person or healthcare professional who gets this vaccine need to take a selfie with it? Like, why? It's turned into such like a vanity project now. Well, like, I, uh, yeah, I could be trafficking in, uh, you know, I guess somewhat controversial territory here because um, my sister in law is a healthcare worker and she got. The vaccine over the weekend, and she did post the selfie to What to is Facebook. it? Like when you get when you, I assume you're going to get when you get a vaccine, are you going to go? Hold on, doc, one second. Let me get my phone out and take a picture of me while I'm getting it. Like while they're jabbing a needle in my arm. Right. I, well, that's the last the, thing I'm going to be thinking of. Well, the thing that I found funny is like people putting side by side the pictures of the politicians who were saying it was all phony six months ago, and now are posting pictures of getting the vaccine. Oh, yeah, I did nat- think that was pretty naturally. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we'll, uh, I'll start with the Eagles. Adrian, if you're listening, we, we still yeah, got to have this Harden debate at some point. I, we can have it, Mike. I just I haven't heard from Adrian. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's upset about his Giants blowing a playoff opportunity, but I haven't heard from Adrian. Yeah, or he, or he's mad that uh, the Eagles have another quarterback better than his, uh, his Giants. Yeah, it's Jalen true. Hurts. It's he's true. He's already better than Daniel Jones. He is. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see, but yeah. r- the early returns looks like it. Yeah, I'll start with the Eagles. Now, now I saw – 
I saw a handful of people, Joe Banner, some some people kind of puffing their chest out a little bit, like, all you Howie Roseman haters, what do you got to say now? I'm like, hold the, hold the phone, hold the phone, okay? I to saw me, that I saw that Banner tweet. Too. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. Like, and I'm just speaking generally, it's, it's not just with Howie Roseman. People always use the line, like, blank doesn't deserve to be fired. Blank doesn't deserve to be fired. And I'm like, when, when I – give an opinion on whether somebody what I want somebody to go or stay it doesn't to me when you ask if somebody deserves to be fired you're asking the wrong question the question shouldn't be do they deserve to be fired the question is do you have faith in them going forward to build a championship caliber roster that's the only thing that matters I mean this isn't high school did he deserve to get suspended did he deserve to get expelled deserve doesn't factor into the equation when you are deciding whether you want to keep or let go of an executive, the only question you should be asking yourself is, do you have faith that they can build a championship-caliber team? And with Howie Roseman, the answer to that is no. And I, and I just used the simple – here's the simple logic. If Howie Roseman has been unable to put a championship-caliber supporting cast around Carson Wentz, specifically with the draft, then why would you have faith that he's going to do it with Jalen Hurts? That's the only question. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I think it's a fair question, and I think it's fair to question, you know, whether Howie's the right guy moving forward. I think you can, as I said last week, I think you can put a, a structure in the front office with Howie's still involved. Like, I think you can take certain parts of Howie's job and reallocate them without getting rid of them altogether. I'm curious what you think, Mike, of the report of John Dorsey working in the front office. That doesn't do it for you? Like, bringing in a guy like that to kind of assume the personnel part of things? Because Lurie looks at Howie's job as much more than just drafting and signing free agents. Well, I mean, it's my feelings on it are kind of multi-layered. Um, I'm, I would rather have him picking talent in the draft than Howie. Uh, but it seems like it, it just seems so weird. Like they kind of brought him in under the radar. Was that mandated by Lurie? Like is Lurie going to go, well, I'm not satisfied with where the team is, but also I still want to keep Howie, so we're going to bring in somebody to run the draft, but Howie's still going to do contracts and trades. Like aren't you worried that it's going to turn into a mess? Like it's going to become very dysfunctional. Like this guy has say for one thing, but this guy has say for the other thing. And they're going to be kind of overstepping each other. Like I just, I want a well-run organization more than anything. Well, I think there's a potential for that, Mike. And with somebody else, it would scare me a little more, but like you're bringing in a guy like Dorsey. He's not coming in here to be like a doormat. Like, right. uh, you know, John Dorsey is not going to be in this organization. Why is he going to waste his time with the Eagles where he's, you know, pretty much cowtailing to Howie Roseman when he can go somewhere else and have legitimate say. So that would lead me to believe that Dorsey has a legitimate role with legitimate, you know, personnel say in the organization. And if that's the way the Eagles want to go with a guy like that who has a track record while you keep Howie to kind of do the things Howie's good at, I'm actually okay with that. And also, like, it said he was brought in as a consultant, which I don't think that, that means exclusivity. Like, I know um, – uh, Scott McLuhan, you know, he used to remember he had the alcoholism. He used to work for yeah. for Washington. He he consulted for several teams. So I don't I don't know. Like John Dorsey could be working for other franchises as well. I, I don't know. He could be. I don't know. Like if if he's exclusively hired by the Eagles or not. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't either. Um, but I, I think the report was if he doesn't get a general manager job somewhere else, that they could bring him on full term. Yeah, that that was kind of the reporting. It wouldn't surprise me though, Mike, if. If they think that Dorsey 
has, you know, done a good job in whatever they've asked him to do, whatever level of consulting he's done. Um, it would not surprise me if the Eagles hire him to a full-time role, make him the general manager, and keep Howie in his role. Because Howie's title is, like, vice president yeah. uh, or football operations or something. It wouldn't surprise me if they do hire Dorsey to kind of oversee the draft and that kind of stuff. And if that's what they do, I agree. Like, I agree it can't continue the same way it's been right. with how we overseeing everything. We're in complete agreement on that. Yeah. I'm just um, of the opinion that how he still does provide value. And I don't, I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I'm at least not hell bent on getting rid of them altogether. I don't think that's necessary. Well, I would have, I would rather have it th- that way or than than just no change at all. Right. There's, there's going to be, ch- I can almost guarantee you there will be changes. Yeah, Lori I mean, understands th- that part of it. At worst, you pull in a lane and just keep promoting Howie until he doesn't, you know, make him like partner <laughs> and, and just take away his football, his football uh, decisions. Right. Um, I, I mean, I do think with Howie though, we gotta we 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 gotta understand that Lori does see that job as much more layered than we see it from the outside. Right. No, absolutely. Um, now with the Harden thing, now Adrian, if you're listening, and to touch on one of the previous callers, I think first of all, I think people. Like there, I think there's this perception of James Harden that is kind of manifested and isn't isn't based on reality. Now I'm not going to say James Harden is Dennis Rodman here, but he is not this Glenn Big Dog Robinson defender that he thinks he is. First of all, he was top five in steals the last two years, and he's improved as a defender over his career. Now he's not going to be a lockdown defender, and he's not the caliber of defender Ben Simmons is or has the potential to be, but. He has a strong, uh, you know, upper body. He can, you know, he can go down low and, and hold up in the post if he needs to. Um, he's crafty. He gets steals. Like, he's not this dreadful defender that's just going to get burned for 50 points every night. I think people way overstate that. But he's just a complete player. Like, some people say James Harden, he doesn't do anything. He's a ball hog. James Harden, do you know James Harden is eighth in NBA history in triple doubles? Like, I love how people use the triple-doubles to compliment Ben Simmons. Oh, you know, Ben Simmons gets all these triple-doubles. He's an all-around player. But when they speak about James Harden, James Harden doesn't do anything but gun. He's he's a chucker. No, James Harden is an all-around basketball player. He's eighth in NBA history in triple-doubles. He's a rebounder. He's a passer. He can play on-ball. He can play off-ball. He drives. He shoots. I mean, James Harden does everything you want on a basketball court. I think the concern, Mike, and I do think this is somewhat of a legitimate concern people have, is that the way Harden has played the last two to three years, uh, where he has played almost exclusively on ball, like he has a higher usage rate than anybody in the NBA. I do think there are legitimate concerns as to whether he could go back to playing more that team style, because he really has not done that over the last couple of years. No, he hasn't. I think a lot of that do has to do with D'Antoni's style. He just likes to, to bomb threes all game long. Um, I think here, I think him and MB would complement each other perfectly, perfectly. Now, if they want to, like I said it before, I, I think the Sixers should absolutely do the deal. But if they want to hang on and see if the Houston drops their price or whatever, that's perfectly fine. Um, but like, I mean, imagine you have arguably the most dominant interior presence in the NBA with Embiid, and arguably. If not number one, he's definitely top five perimeter 
presence, you know, in the NBA. Like, how do you defend that? If you double MB, then James Harden is going to get any shot he wants. If you double Harden, then MB is going to have his way down low. And also, they have shooters now so they can space the floor. Harden's going to have a ton of room, the driver, shooter, whatever he wants to do. MB is going to have a ton of room. I don't know how you defend a Sixers lineup with those two guys. And look, yeah, their defense will suffer a little bit if Harden comes in, but it's a scoring league. It's, that's how you win in the NBA. Like that, or specifically, that's how you win in the playoffs. Like You don't win in the playoffs by relying on role players to score points. We saw that ha- how that worked for the Sixers against Toronto, and we saw that ha- how that worked for the Sixers against Boston. And by the way, and, and look, I hate to like, have to do this like, to, to put down Ben Simmons to, to, to prop up Harden because – but that's what you have to do if you're making a case for one versus the other. I, I, but I really do like Ben Simmons. But in two playoff series, Ben Simmons was either their worst or second worst player. Like against Boston, remember, Tom, he was so bad against Boston that they – and I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about from a few years ago. They had to bring T.J. McConnell in for offense. Yeah, but that, that, was more, that was more than anything. I mean, because Covington was a disaster in that series. Uh, and, and him too. But, like – but. If Ben Simmons is your is your star, like he's supposed to show up and he didn't. Like and then versus Toronto, they moved Jimmy Butler to point guard because Ben Simmons was so ineffective. And they just had basically Ben Simmons stand in a corner. Well, agreed, but part of it in that series too, to just to be fair here, I mean, Ben Simmons was exclusively guarding Kawhi on the other end, and I, I thought actually did a decent job even with all that Kawhi did. Yeah, he, ben yeah, ben did. gave him more more trouble than anybody else did when Kawhi was playing out of his mind. Yeah, he did, and it maybe it maybe it tired him out. But like in the NBA, like you need guys who can take over games and just get buckets. You can't rely on passing and cutting. Role players in the playoffs—they're going to be role players. Like if you think Danny Green or Seth Curry, as they're fine players, they're fine role players. But if you think those guys, you can rely on those guys to get you buckets in the playoffs. You, I mean, you're you're sorely mistaken. Right. We've seen what the Sixers, what happened to the Sixers in the past when they rely on role players. We saw what happened to Covington. We saw what happened to Sarich and and Marco Bellinelli in the playoffs. You need your stars to come up big. Um, I mean, I guess the only knock on Harden would be that he hasn't been his best in the playoffs, and I'm not arguing that. But that's why, like, you know, we're not saying we're training Simmons for LeBron James here. Like, you're not right. going to get LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Right. But James Harden is a top-five player, and he's available. You yeah, know, I, if the Sixers could get Steph Curry or Kawhi Leonard, right. I would do that trade too, but they're not available. This right. is the best guy you're going to get. You're yeah. not going to get a better player for Ben Simmons than James Harden. Yeah, I got you, Mike. I appreciate yeah, it. I think, uh, I think, you know, right now, that's the case. But the NBA, a lot of things change. Like, who knows? Two months from now, maybe a, a player fits better that you like more could be available. I, I mean, I don't know that, but, I mean, James Harden wasn't available two months ago. And James Harden now will absolutely be traded. So I think, you know, there's no there's no rush for the Sixers to do this. That That's my whole point. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying there's no rush whatsoever for the Sixers uh, to make this move. 215-592-9494. Gus and Allentown's on the line. Gus will be first after the break. Want to give Gus his full time, so we will uh, hit the break here. And then you, if you want to get in. And on the James Harden-Ben Simmons situation, would you make the move? Um, I would not take it off the table in any uh, sense, but I would wait and, and see what this team looks like because uh, the Sixers don't need to be in any rush. The Rockets have nothing else they can do right now. The Rockets want Ben Simmons. 
I, I'm convinced of that. And they're not going to get a better player than Ben Simmons, and they'll wait till he's off the, the table to pursue other options. Uh, 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, expect to be talking a lot of Eagles, but we talk you guys talk about what you guys want to discuss and uh, discussing the James Harden Ben Simmons situation and whether you'd make this move. And you know, it's going to be the first real big decision Daryl Morey has to make in his Sixers tenure. Um, and it'll be a decision made by you know, obviously Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers. Uh, in regards to what's best for this team to win a championship now. Because, you know, as much as I like Ben Simmons, this is not about the future. It's about what gives you the best chance to win now. Because, you know, the clock ticks quickly in the NBA. Joel Embiid is going to be free agent much sooner than we all, you know, realize. He's the free, He's a free agent in 2023. And the way NBA players are, you're seeing it with James Harden now, they can basically get out earlier if they want to. And if this season goes poorly or if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons aren't meshing great on the court and this team isn't contending, Joel Embiid could ask out. And, you know, once you kind of get that request from a player and it's made public, your leverage goes down. So the Sixers should be prioritizing winning now. That being said, I don't think you need to do this deal at this moment. You know, I think this team with Simmons and Embiid can compete this year. I'm not taking it off the table, but I'm definitely not doing it right now. I want to see what you have, and uh, you you make a determination uh, down the line. Uh, so I, I think the Sixers um, certainly need to look at that as they move forward here. I do see Adrian is on the line to respond to Mike, so we'll get to Adrian in a couple minutes here. Uh, but first, let's talk to Gus in Allentown. What's up, Gus? First off, ha- Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Gus. How are you doing? Good. And uh, Nambi's been in the business for quite a while. As a matter of fact, he was in the business. Has he, he really? The, when he was with the Eagles, yeah. Has he been in anything like? Um, no, no. It, I don't know, but I mean, I know when he was when he was playing with the Eagles, is his, his, he already had his hand in in uh, in movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, oh. you're right. It looks I, like he's been in a been in a lot of stuff here. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I agree with you about the foul shooting with Simmons. I, I strongly agree with you on that. But in terms of numbers, Ben Simmons is going to be 17, 8, and 7 from here, from here till, till, you know, till the eye can see. And if he, he makes the Hall of Fame, it's going to be on the special things that he brings to the table on defense and his quarterback, you know, his, his playmaking as a quarterback. Um, that's, that's what he is. He's, he's not going to you know, explode into some uh, – his numbers are going to be remarkably stable as a player. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I see a, high, a little bit of a higher ceiling, Gus. So I, I don't, I don't. I, I think he could win a lot of – it depends on who he's matched up with and who his coach is. He could win a lot of titles. But I don't think he's, his numbers are going to vary very much at all. Uh, by the way, let me just talk about – I'm really enthusiastic about Doc Rivers as a coach. I haven't been this enthusiastic since – and I go way back since Alex Hannum came here from San Francisco to coach Wilt. But um, the, the, the things that really strike me are Dwight Howard's contribution is really going to – I think going to be extraordinary. I, I mean, I, he, is, he is playing with a kind of 
enthusiasm and a kind of focus that I'm really surprised. And Jake Milton, I'm hoping this isn't a mirage, but he has improved a lot. No, Gus, those, uh, you know, I, I think you make a great point. Those two guys are going to be incredibly important to this team. They're going to be really the, the two catalysts off the bench. I mean, Shake Milton, you're looking at him to hopefully blossom into a guy who can give you, yeah, I, I, I think, Lou, I think he's Lou got, Williams. yeah, like I think he's the right. I think he can give you, Potentially fifteen points a night off the bench. He, he he really looks remarkably improved. He does, and and, and, and the, consistent. It's not like a shot, you know, just a flash in the pan one night, and, and then he disappears. And him and I, De, and I'll let you finish, Gus. But no, him and Dwight immediately. You can see their kind of um, chemistry they already have in the pick and roll. And and absolutely. I Dwight, I think, learned a lot last year, his year in Los Angeles. And yeah, he seems much more mature. Right, and he's accepted this kind of role. And and I, I'll tell you what, he looked great in those two preseason. And in terms games. of conditioning, I think he'll 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 help him be he'll he'll be a role model. Yeah, I, I know. It's ridiculous. It, it does seem ridiculous. I, I think it's pretty he's funny. Amazing. But he's got the broader shoulders as well. Yeah, and here's, here's yeah. my here's my last point. This is another point about another team. If I were the Nets, I would trade Kyrie or Harden. I would too. Up. I would too. If I was, I, I don't I, get it because they can't coexist together. No, and that's the thing. And and you know the way Durant and Kyrie are personality wise. Durant is going to get tired of Kyrie eventually. Like, and I Kyrie, think it's going to happen Kyrie pretty quickly. Kyrie is is a manic depressive. He really is. He's 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 kind of nuts. Mentally unstable. Yeah, and if I was, I I totally agree with you. If I was Brooklyn, I would call Houston and just say, hey, yeah, let's just do Kyrie for Harden. It. Kyrie's under contract for four years and just move on. I agree. Yeah. For once we agree, I think, yeah. on all points. This is this is a Merry Christmas night. There, there you go. I appreciate it, Gus. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for checking in. Wow, that's that was the most cordial phone call I've ever had with Gus. It's a good thing we didn't get into uh, Howie, because I, 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 I heard it, Gus um, call Rob, and I was vehemently, uh, you know, disagree with him on a lot of stuff because Gus doesn't like Howie or Doug, but there you go. Me and Gus disagree or agree. Uh, on the Sixers. Uh, let's go to Adrian. What's up, Adrian? Hey, what's up? Mike? What's up, man? How did you know? How'd you feel about Mike calling you out there? Huh? Mike, Mike has uh, been upset with you lately, Adrian. So, Mike, this is what Mike don't understand. See, the, the assists that Harden get, I mean, the steals that Harden get, it's the same steals Iverson used to get. Passing lane steals. They not, it's not man on, it's not ball on ball steals. This guy was at OKC. They was up 3-1 to one on Golden State. They was going to be a dynasty. You know what he did? He opted out. He didn't want to sacrifice the win a championship and stay in OKC. And OKC could have been a, a, a dynasty. He's a bad guy. I don't want this guy. This guy's a bad guy. He don't win nowhere he goes. Anywhere he goes, he doesn't win. They bring everything that he wants to the table. They, he wanted, well, he wanted um, Chris Paul. He wanted Chris Paul. Chris he, Paul couldn't wait to get out of No, him. Adrian, he, he didn't wait. He got traded, though. Harden got traded from OKC to Houston. He didn't opt out. He got traded. No, 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 no. He opted out. No, he, he got traded, Adrian. He did. I'm telling you. It was like it was for garbage. It was like for Kevin Martin and a bunch of other guys. Listen to me. He did not want to stay in OKC. Well, if they weren't going to pay him. Like, I don't. I actually well, don't fold him for that. If they're not going to pay him, like, I would have wanted to get out, too. Uh, so 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 this this he was gonna get paid regardless. I mean, if you just if, if you 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 see what Kevin Durant did, Kevin Durant he he waited and, and got his money. So and then he I'm left. Saying, when you on a, he was on the brink of a dynasty and he and they couldn't win. They was up three to one on Golden State. They could, he couldn't win there. He couldn't win at OKC. He most definitely ain't winning at Houston. Everything that they 
asked him to do. They even went small ball. They traded Capella because he didn't want Capella on the team no more. And they went small ball when Capella was just just becoming into being to his own. So he's just a bad guy. So all the Hall of Famers that he played with don't want to play with him. They just don't want to. Well, I will say, I will say, Adrian, the story that came out last week about all the stuff that was concerning, definitely. And he has come up small in big games, certainly last year. And he comes up small in big games. Like, how can we use him? We get in the playoffs, he's not going to show up. Like, like Like, he's a bad guy. You don't put this guy around your your young superstars. There's no way in the world. I, you know what I do? I was just sitting up here, just thinking off the top of my head. I'd rather take Kyrie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, come, Adrian. Okay, you're out of your mind. If you honestly feel that way, you're out of your mind. You know, Kyrie is a Kyrie is a nut. I don't want any part but, of Kyrie. But but this is the difference between Kyrie and Harden. Harden is a nightlight guy. Harden Harden just he's just a bad guy. Kyrie's a gym rat. Harden is not a gym rat. You know what I mean? He's not going to make us better. He's going to kill us. He he holds the ball for 16 seconds in the shot clock. Every but but Adrian, you got. Seconds. You also got to look right. at the fact, though. You also got to look at the fact he's never played with a player like Embiid before. Like that—that that would that. And I'm not—I'm I'm excluding his OKC days. No, uh, that was very early in his career. I'm talking from Houston on. I'm talking from Houston. You know what I'm saying? But he was with Westbrook. He played with Westbrook. Stinks. Westbrook's don't terrible. Give me that. Russell, get, don't give me Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook stinks. Adrian, come on. I mean, and, and look, and Russell Westbrook couldn't wait to get out of first thing smoking. Do you know Maury left Houston to get away from Harden? And you mean to tell me he's going to bring him here? Well, well, Adrian, if he brings him here, he obviously didn't leave to get away from Harden. I think he left to get away from that owner because that owner's got no, a bunch no, no. of issues. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you hear what Maury said? He's not making that trade? Well, Maury what do you think it? he's going to say, not- Adrian? Hey, what do you think he's he going to say? Going, yeah, we're shopping Ben Simmons. Of course he's going to say they're not shopping Ben Simmons. Wait, wait, wait. But let me tell you, the, the way Maury works, and you know the way he works, if he wanted, if he, if he wanted um, Harden, Harden would have been here. Ben Simmons would have been on the first thing smoking. He went and got Chris Paul. He went and got um, Westbrook. He don't do stuff like that. If he want a guy, he go get him. He don't want no parts of Harding. People thought about all these reports that you hear coming out. It's coming from Houston. They trying to put pressure on Maury. Maury's not going for it. He don't. He's, he already knows this guy's a bad guy. I know people that's in the NBA. Harding's a bad guy. Everybody oh, knows. It's no secret. But he, he's supposed to be in training camp. He's at baby. He's at baby's party with right, no mask Adrian. on. He's an irresponsible, rich, bad guy. Adrian, I don't want him. He's not a team player. Adrian, you can't but, win with Harden. But okay, well, okay, well, I don't. He doesn't give you a better. Okay, chance Adrian, Adrian, just calm down for a second. I mean, I don't know if you can or not. But say you get six to eight weeks into the season and the team doesn't look like it's working, you would not, under any circumstances, trade for Harden. Not under any circumstances. Let me ask you this, Tom Kelly. Yes. Has he? Where has Harden won it? He didn't win a championship. Been out of the first round. I think they, he's been out of the first round maybe two times. They've been out of the first round several times. Um, but yeah, they should have won. They should have beaten Golden State um, when they were up three to two. Chris Paul got hurt. That was three a factor. Oh, he was up three. He was up three to one on, on Golden State. When he was at the OKC. When he was at the OKC. Yeah. But not you, with you. Can't, where, where has he won it? Tell me why, why, why do we want? No, they, but, but you can say that about a ton of guys, Adrian. I mean, a lot of guys haven't won championships. You could say that about Kevin Durant before he went to, to Golden State. It doesn't mean Kevin Durant can't win a championship. 
No, well, I'm saying Kevin Durant got championship. I'm talking about right now, today. Right. Where has but, Harden won? He, what team has he made better? Is, is Houston any better but, since Harden been there? Adrian, okay, Adrian, just real quick. Just think about it this way, though. People were saying these same kind of things about Anthony Davis before last season. Like, you can always say this until a guy wins it. You can always say he can't win it. But this is one thing they didn't say about Anthony Davis. No one never said that this guy was a bad guy. Yeah, but well, people were not Harden talking does. very. People were people were talking horrible about Anthony Davis when he was pulling what he was pulling in New Orleans. They never said that he was a bad guy. They said this dude was a gym rat. He was a professional. Harden is not a professional. Look at the stuff he's pulling in Houston. He's under contract. This guy's out partying somewhere when he's supposed to be in training camp. I don't want this guy. I mean, why would you want a guy that's going to force force the um the ownership hand? Why would you want this guy? Like, come on. I don't want this guy. He's no, bad. I, I got... don't understand. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Why ain't nobody else knocking down the door for Hart? Because nobody else has players that <laughs> that Houston wants. The only per- the only player Houston wants is Ben Simmons. Like, that's what hey, I no, think. That's a, hey, look, no, no, that's not true. Trust me, there's a whole lot of good players in this league. Wait, you think, you think, you, you think Houston's trading? You think Houston's trading Harden for Karis LeVert, Adrian? Come on. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. So, now, Houston, they got Boogie Cousins. They got um, John Wall. Okay. Why wouldn't he want to just stay there and make them better? Because they're bad players. I appreciate it, Adrian. Thanks for the call. Boogie Cousins and John Wall. I mean, Cousins, the the guy's hurt all the time. Like, John Wall has been hurt for, like, three years. I actually don't blame James Harden for wanting to get out. This is what... Guys do in the NBA. You can disagree with it if you want. And I'm not telling you James Harden's a great guy. There's a lot of evidence to tell you that there are, you know, red flags. And that's something the Sixers would need to weigh. But, I mean, there's no denying the fact that he's a pretty damn effective offensive player when he's on the court. And since he has gone to Houston, because, uh, yeah, you can say he played with Kevin Durant. That was very early in both of their careers. James Harden has never had a player next to him well, since he's blossomed into the player he's now like Joel Embiid. I mean, Chris Paul is a good player. Chris Paul does not is not nearly the stature of Joel Embiid, doesn't pair with Harden nearly as well as Joel Embiid does. Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook is the most overrated player in the NBA. Russell Westbrook stinks. I mean, let, let's just let's just face it. Russell Westbrook is is not very good. He's not. Um, and, you know, I, 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 there's a reason why James Harden wants out. And honestly, I don't really fault him for that. That being said, I'm not trading him right now. Uh, and I appreciate Adrian's passion. Adrian really does not like James Harden. And I get it. Um, but if you get into the season and the Sixers aren't a contender, then, yeah, I'd revisit it. But there's no need for them to do it right now. 215-592-9494. Open lines for the first time if you want to get in. Uh, we'll get you when we get back. Also, when we return, I do want to mention um, the NFL announced its pro bowlers uh, for this season. And three Eagles made the team. Especially want to congratulate uh, one Eagle in particular making his first pro bowl, and it is long overdue. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Big Daddy Graham. Still composing my... I hope Adrian's okay. Adrian was very worked up about the James Harden rumors. Um, and, I, you know, I get his concern. I do. I, I, I am 
a little hesitant about trading for James Harden, too. But it has less to do with James Harden and more to do with Ben Simmons. Like, I understand that I have a higher, you know, I guess, thought process for Ben Simmons' ceiling than most. I mean, I'm a big Ben Simmons fan. I always have been. I think the guy has the potential to be, at some point, probably not this year, um, maybe not even next year, but at some point, a top five player in the NBA. I think he has that kind of potential um, in his game. And, you know, you look at everything offensively, uh, but you can't underestimate what he does on the defensive end of the floor. The guy is, he's an all-NBA defensive player. Like, he is a, a really, really effective defensive player, does so many things for you. Like, Ben Simmons is one of those guys that you will really miss him when he's gone. Like, if he ends up getting traded, you will miss him in a number of areas. Now, that being said, I I would certainly consider it. Because the Sixers, their time is now. Like, they're not bringing in Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey to build for three years from now. That is done. Like, this is a team who their window is right now. Um, And, you know, you, I, it's why I think you need to give this serious consideration. But the Sixers should be in no rush. I'll continue saying this. They should be in no rush because the Rockets don't have any other options. They don't. They're not going to get a better deal from anybody else. The only team that I think could comparably put a package together is the Miami Heat um, with something surrounding Tyler Hero. If you think Tyler Hero is that level of player, which I don't. I mean, the guy had a great playoffs in the bubble, um, but I don't think he projects to be like a Ben Simmons type player long term. And I also think you got to factor in the fact that it happened in the bubble where, you know, yeah, it's the NBA playoffs, but you're not doing it in on the road in front of 20,000 fans, that does make a difference. Like, that is a big deal that needs to, you know, be factored in here. So, um, the Sixers have the best thing, you know, that Houston can get. And because of that, it puts them in a position of power. And, you know, you go out, you see all this thing goes the first couple of months. If it's If you're the fourth best team in the East or even the third best team in the East and you don't realistically see your team contending for a championship, then you do it. I, I would do it at that point. Um, but the Sixers don't have to be in a rush. And it's a it's a real luxury that they have that pretty much um, nobody else does. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to monitor uh, throughout the first couple months here. But either way, very excited um, for the season to be back. And we'll get into it a little later on. Um, and I will kind of talk about the Sixers and what to expect from this team this year. And, and I'll kind of give you my predictions um, for the NBA season with it getting underway tonight and uh, Sixers getting underway uh, tomorrow. So that's one of the things we got to do um, before we get out of here uh, on the show uh, tonight. But to turn it back to the Eagles here, um, I needed to mention this because on Monday night, the NFL announced its pro bowlers for uh, 2020. And obviously, due to the COVID situation, there won't be an actual Pro Bowl this year, which I'm sure everybody will miss so much. I mean, can we just make this a permanent thing, by the way? 
where we can just get rid of the Pro Bowl forever. It is the worst event in all of sports. Uh, I truly believe that. It is the worst event in all of sports. It has become just awful. It's truly awful to watch. Um, no, <laughs> There's no contact. You're not allowed to blitz. You're basically not allowed to tackle. It's basically two-hand touch. Um, they shouldn't bring the Pro Bowl back. You can announce the teams because I know it factors into guys' contracts and bonuses and stuff like that. But there's no need to actually play the game. Um, but that being said, uh, the NFL announces their Pro Bowlers, and the Eagles get three guys into the Pro Bowl. And, you know, I would say two guys made it on their resume. Um, they've been good this year, certainly. Um, in Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey. Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey, I think, have both been good this year. I, The Fletcher Cox criticism, I never really understand. I feel like every year there's a time in the season where, look at what Fletcher Cox makes. Hey, he's not doing enough. Well, Fletcher Cox is a very effective player, um, and uh, Fletcher Cox does a lot for that defense uh, that a lot of people don't see, and he does make a significant impact. That being said, whether he's a pro bowler this year, um, I'm not sure. Probably makes it more on reputation than anything else. Jason Kelsey also makes it. Uh, not Kelsey's best season, but you can certainly make the argument for him being a pro bowler um, based on what's going on around him. Obviously, we have talked about it a ton uh, as far as Carson Wentz's struggles and the fact that he's been playing with a different offensive line each week and there's a new combination uh, seemingly every week. And and for Jason Kelsey in particular, that's got to be difficult to deal with when, you know, you, you that cohesion on the offensive line and that, that chemistry up front is so important to an offensive line success. And for Kelsey to, you know, kind of keep it together and, and play well despite all that going on, is really difficult. But uh, the other guy who made it, and this is unbelievable that he has not made a Pro Bowl to this point. And uh, I forget where I saw the video. He might have tweeted it out himself. But um, Brandon Graham made the Pro Bowl for the first time on Monday night. And there's a video of him with his kids reacting to the announcement. And, I mean, just so long overdue for Brandon Graham to get to a Pro Bowl. As, you know, you talk about guys who their impact goes beyond the numbers. And Brandon Graham is a perfect example of that. Where, you know, he does so much for that team from a leadership perspective, you know, an energy perspective, you know, he's, he's talked about it a ton from keeping the energy up on the practice field. I think you really saw it. And, you know, it's tough to take a ton from these kind of shows. But if you watched that Amazon Prime All or Nothing show last year, Brandon Graham was the star of that show. And, you know, it really showed all the things that he does in that locker room, keeping guys engaged, uh, lightening up the mood, just such a positive attitude. And, you know, being such a productive player on the field for so many years, maybe not having the sack numbers, because that's how you get to Pro Bowls, is putting up these big sack totals, um, you know, having these these gaudy statistics. 
Brandon Graham hasn't had that throughout the course of his career, but he has turned into such a good player. And just, I don't know how many times I could talk about it, but such a good story for a guy coming out of college to be considered a bust, like, for, for like, the first four years of his career. This was not, you know, a situation where Brandon Graham had a bad first year and then turned it on. He did not really produce until 2013, and he had a good year in that in in Billy Davis's system in 2013. Then you know in 2014 had another good year after the Eagles re-signed him, and then finally when Jim Schwartz came in, uh, they moved him back uh, to the defensive end spot in a four three, which is really where he suited to play, and. Uh, blossomed and became such an important player, obviously made what I consider to be the biggest play in Eagles history, stripping Tom Brady in the Super Bowl um, and really sealing that win for the Eagles in Super Bowl 52. And uh, just an incredible player. And you'll hear every person who has met Brandon Graham say the same thing. It couldn't happen to a better guy, and it really couldn't. I've worked with Brandon Graham for years uh, at Chickies and Pete's on Monday nights uh, doing his show here on WIP. And the nicest athlete I've ever met um, in all my time doing this. And, man, uh, for him to make his first Pro Bowl, it's amazing that he never made one till now. Uh, but congratulations uh, to Brandon Graham um, for, for his first uh, Pro Bowl selection in the NFL. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, we've actually talked a lot of Sixers tonight in regards to the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade rumors. So if you want to get in on that, uh, you're welcome to. Where I stand, I would wait and see how the first couple months of the season go. I don't think James Harden's getting dealt anywhere else. Um, I feel like the Har- the Rockets want Ben Simmons, and they will wait until Ben Simmons is off the table to send James Harden elsewhere. So the Sixers... I feel are negotiating from a position of power um, that, that most other teams don't have the luxury of. Uh, so we've been discussing that. If you want to get on the Eagles, you're welcome to as we weigh whether or not to trade Carson Wentz. And when we get back in the next segment, I do want to get into the salary cap implications of this. Because I think the way many people have been looking at it is short-sighted and wrong. When you look at what it would do to the Eagles moving forward to trade Carson Wentz. So we'll get to that next. Uh, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly uh, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham uh, here on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, open lines Right now, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Talking a lot of Sixers tonight with the season starting on Wednesday. And we'll get um, to our uh, predictions a little later on uh, as far as what's going to happen this NBA season. But um, the question that that is going to be asked until there's resolution either way, whether the Sixers should trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Um, and I just don't feel like that's necessary right now. I want to see what this team has. I want to see what they look like um, with this new roster in place before I would uh, go that route. Um, I'm I'm excited for this team. 
I really am. Uh, you know, I, I from what we saw in the first couple preseason games, there was a lot to be, you know, excited about. When you look at Simmons and Embiid being surrounded by shooting and being surrounded by the kinds of players that are going to help them instead of hinder them. You know, and just uh, watching Embiid specifically, I thought he looked great. I think he looks in shape. We've heard that in the past, but it actually looks this time like Joel Embiid is in the best shape of his career. Now, he's got to maintain that for an entire season, which has been an issue for him. Um, You know, as seasons go on, he tends to put on some weight and, you know, uh, whether that leads to his injuries, I'm sure it has to contribute in some sort of way. Um, so hopefully he can stay on a plan that will keep him in shape. But I thought he looked great in the preseason game that he played. Uh, you look at some of the other guys on the roster. I think a guy like Danny Green is going to help tremendously on both ends of the floor. We talk about Danny Green and his three-point shooting and what he can give you in that respect. But he's going to be a a very important player on defense where he's probably you know if if Thibel's not going to be in the rotation at least looks like to start the season he won't be um Danny Green other than Ben Simmons is going to be your next best wing defender and you know that's going to be an important uh, an important role that he's going to have to assume uh for the Sixers on that end of the floor so I think he's going to be very important I look at a guy like Seth Curry Seth Curry is going to be up and down. Some nights we're going to love him. Other nights we're going to think this guy stinks. Um, he's His success is pretty much solely predicated on uh, making shots from the outside. And, you know, with shooters, that can be streaky. Uh, but you, you look at some of the other guys, obviously Tobias Harris, hopefully he can find more of a role this year. The thing that you look at in a positive respect is that Tobias Harris had his best year ever um, when he was playing for the Clippers under Doc Rivers. So maybe Doc Rivers can find a way to maximize him as a player uh, to at least, if nothing else, build up his value to where you can trade him at some point. He has a contract that's that's pretty untradeable right now, but down the line, I think you will be able to move him uh, as it gets closer to the end and that contract becomes more enticing to teams who are looking for you know expiring deals. So, Uh, You hope he can find a role. And then you look at the bench, um, as I talked about with Gus earlier. Shake Milton is maybe the most interesting player on the team coming into this season. Um, You know, we saw the glimpses last year while Ben Simmons was out. We all remember that game in Los Angeles against the Clippers. I'm sure Doc Rivers remembers it well, uh, where Shake Milton went off. I think he had 37 or something. He had like 30 in the first half. Um, and, you know, he is going to be that primary scorer off the bench. And, and you know, Gus had brought it up, and I think it's a good comp. A better version of Lou Williams is what you're looking for. As that guy off the bench who can come in, can give you instant offense, and I think he can average, you know, 15, 16, 17 points a night in that role. So he's going to be important. A guy like Dwight Howard is going to be important. Uh, as a backup center, a spot that you really have never had uh, behind Joel Embiid before. And to have a guy like that coming off the bench um, to work with Embiid, 
uh, or, or work behind Embiid and, and take the slack off him in the minutes he's off the floor, uh, he's going to be very important as well. And I thought Dwight Howard uh, looked great in the preseason and, you know, obviously brings a different energy and a different perspective as a guy who's been to the finals both as a star way back in 09 with the, with the Magic and then last year uh, winning, a, winning a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers as a reserve as kind of a reserve slash um, starter but more of a role player and he seems to be relishing that role as a veteran leader on this team so a lot to be excited about uh, with the Sixers going into this season 215-592-9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494 and um I wanted to get into uh, this real quick as we turn it back to the Eagles as our other topic tonight has been, you know, whether you would deal Carson Wentz this offseason. And I needed to get to this because I I feel like the way we've been discussing the cap ramifications on the Eagles, if they were to move on from Carson Wentz, has been short-sighted in many degrees, and many degrees flat-out wrong. When you look at at what this would mean for the organization to trade Carson Wentz next offseason, you know, I hear all the time, um, you know, how prohibitive it would be to the organization to trade Carson Wentz. And how could you you sign the guy to this contract and then move on? Well, nobody foresaw it happening this way, okay? And, you know, the Eagles may have seen warning signs with Carson Wentz, whether it was his injury history, whether it was his play last year at times or over the last couple years, whether they saw this kind of regression. It may have concerned them, but nobody, nobody could have seen this kind of massive regression. It's unprecedented. Like, we have never seen, in the history of the NFL, a quarterback go from where Carson Wentz once was to where Carson Wentz is now. It's literally never happened before. So, you know, while the Eagles, you can look back and have revisionist history and say they never should have signed Carson Wentz that deal. Um, You're free to do that. Um, I actually thought it was a, a fine deal at the time, considering you were getting out ahead of the market. And what I thought Carson Wentz was, unfortunately, he didn't turn out to be that. He didn't turn out to be what you thought he was going to, I won't even say become, the the, the level of play that he had already demonstrated that you thought that, that he'd be able to maintain. It didn't happen. And, you know, there's all this talk about you know, you need to fix Carson. You already paid him the contract. You need to find a way to fix him. I just disagree with that completely. Because when you look at his contract, the way the Eagles um, have this set up and the decision that they are in right now is you need, if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. And if you do it now, it's really not that bad. You take your medicine for one year. And yeah, it is going to hurt the Eagles next season. There's no doubt about that. And as a fan, you don't want to be paying 
what, 30, 35 million, whatever it is, against the cap for a player that's not on your team. I get that. But you're going to be paying it anyway. Whether Carson Wentz is here or not, you're going to have to pay that money. It's a sunk cost. So right now, the decision you have to make is, do you trust that Carson Wentz get back to the level that you expected him to play at? And if you think he can, you're going to have to be stuck on that contract. And you are going to be stuck with that contract for the foreseeable future. Or you could trade him after one year and free yourself up for the future. You know, you can take the penalty next year. And yeah, it would stink not being able to use that money otherwise. But then you're free. And you reset the clock organizationally on having to pay a quarterback, which is beyond important in the league, is when you look at the NFL, when you when if you're in the NFL front office, the thing you look at more than anything is how can we get a quarterback, a good quarterback, on a team-friendly contract? Well, that is what you have in Jalen Hurts. And if you believe Jalen Hurts can be a starting-level quarterback in the NFL, and if you don't think Carson Wentz can be a top-10 guy, which I don't know how anybody with eyes could believe Carson Wentz could ever get back to being a top-10 quarterback right now, then you got to make this move and you got to do it now. That's how you rebuild this team. You won't have to pay Jalen Hurts a significant, you know, any significant money till 2024. So then you'll take a hit next season, but in 2022 and 2023, you will have a ton of cap space to rebuild this football team. And you will have draft picks that you get from a Carson Wentz trade deal where you can rebuild this football team. That is how you can rebuild. That is how you can restock. And what, what, what's interesting to me about this is all the people who are apologizing for Carson and feel that it's not Carson's fault, you know, they need to choose what do you care about more. Do you care about Carson or do you care about the Eagles? Because the excuses we hear made is that it's not on Carson, it's everything else. You know, Carson has played bad because of the things around him, because the offensive line is bad, and because the receivers are bad, and because, you know, the defense isn't good enough uh, to give the offense enough opportunities. That's what we hear a a a lot in regards to Carson and his struggles. Well, if that's truly the case, you know, I disagree with it, but fine. If you feel that is truly the only way that you can fix this organization, then you need to trade him and restart that clock. You can't rebuild while you're paying a franchise quarterback that kind of money. You know, if Carson Wentz can't succeed with the things that you have around him, then, you know, you got to deal him because it's not going to get any better. You have no way, and, and I'm not you know, excusing Howie Roseman here because, um, you know, he's partially put the Eagles in this situation, but you don't have money to go out and fix the problems around Carson. And if he can't uplift the players around him, like you'd expect a player making his kind of money to do, then the only way to fix the team is to trade him. 
Because that's how you can find a way to rebuild your team. That way you can build around a quarterback who I think is better making a much lower amount of money. You know, you pay a quarterback like Carson because he's supposed to make up for these issues elsewhere. He's supposed to make up for receivers who aren't, aren't, aren't highly paid or great, for offensive lines that have issues. And if he can't do that, and he's shown you he can't, then you need to make a move. And thankfully, the Eagles have this out, and they can rebuild, um, and and they really need to take it now. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I played this once yesterday. I want to play it again because, you know, you, you look at the situation with Carson right now, and I don't know what his desires are. But, uh, you know, if he truly does want to leave, as has been reported, which, I mean, I don't think Adam Schefter's making this up. Um, I think he's hearing this from somewhere. And if Carson wants to leave, then this should be very easy to make happen. When you look at, you know, if the Eagles feel like they want to trade him and Carson wants to leave, they should be able to work this out in a way that's mutually beneficial. Uh, and Peter King joined the afternoon show last week and talked about it. Here's Peter King on how he thinks the Eagles should handle this situation going into the offseason. I still think that if I were Howie Roseman, if I were Doug Peterson, at the end of this year, whenever it is, I'd want to put my arm around Carson Wentz's shoulder and say, listen, get away for the next five or six weeks. And at some point, the middle of February – We'll all get on a Zoom. We're probably not going to be able to meet in person. We'll all get on a Zoom, and we're going to bat it out together, just the three of us or four of us, who, who, whoever would be on such a call. Mm-hmm. But we're going to bat it out. At that time, let's say Jalen Hurts plays really well, and at that time, if Wentz says, I really want to get out of here, let's figure a way contractually that I'm not hamstringing you and that we can make it happen so that I can get traded either pick a team. I don't know the, mm-hmm. the Colts, the Patriots, whoever, but I think that's probably the way I would handle it if I were the Eagles. And that's the way you have to handle it. And I don't see, I mean, Carson Wentz, I don't understand why he wouldn't be receptive to that. Like, yeah, he might have to take a contract adjustment to make less money down the line, but that's just a byproduct of how he's played. You know, and if you want to get out of Philadelphia, you want to make it easier on the team acquiring you to maybe give you help because Carson's shown that he's a guy who needs help. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some quarterbacks just, just, just can't uplift the people around them doesn't mean he's a terrible player. It means he's not the kind of player you pay $128 million to. That's for sure. Um, And I don't know how many teams would want to take the full weight of that contract considering what they're buying here. You know, you're buying a player who I'm sure any team looking to acquire him thinks they could fix him, but there's no way you can know that for sure. And... I, I think that's the most well-reasoned 
outcome here is that the Eagles and Carson Wentz uh, negotiate, and they figure out a way, how can we get you to a place you want to go, and how do we make it easier financially on both our organization and the organization acquiring you? Because I do think there's going to be a market out there. I mean, you look at teams, I think the Colts could certainly be interested. Uh, with uh, Obviously, Carson loves Frank Reich so much, you know, Maybe he'd want to go there, and the Colts are going to need a quarterback. They're probably not going to run it back with Phillip Rivers. Um, I could see the 49ers, if they don't think Garoppolo's the long-term solution, uh, and they uh, believe with with uh, Kyle Shanahan that he could get the most out of Carson Wentz. New England is a possibility. They're going to need a quarterback. I mean, just watching this Monday night game, Ben Roethlisberger looks finished. Like, that was alarming, watching Ben Roethlisberger on Monday night. He was awful, and I don't know what's going on with the Steelers, but um, they, they've gone from 11-0 and to losing to Washington a few weeks ago and Cincinnati. They were dominated by Cincinnati on Monday night, um, and Ben looks like he is he's totally shot. Maybe that's a team that could be in the mix. The Bears could be looking for a quarterback. The Broncos could be looking for a quarterback. Um, this would be an interesting one, and this would, I guess, tell you what the Eagles – think about Carson but would you trade him to Washington you know Washington could be looking for a quarterback that would be a fun storyline if Carson stayed in the division I mean the Eagles did it once with Donovan so um you know I don't think it's impossible uh but I you know I think we're talking about the contract situation all wrong where it would be so prohibitive to trade him it really wouldn't be it would free you up down the line it would give you all this money to rebuild your team. And for all the people who want to say Carson's a byproduct of all this horrible roster management around them, well, really, the only way you can fix your roster long-term is to trade the quarterback, restart that clock on paying a coach, or, or rather paying a quarterback. And in these two years, 2022, 2023, you'll have Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal, second-round rookie deal at where he was picked is very affordable. And you have a ton of money to rebuild the rest of this roster. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Let's get Ryan and Warminster in here. What's up, Ryan? Yo, Ryan. Hey. Can you turn I'm the radio a, down, Ryan? Thanks. Yep. Okay. What's going on? I just, I'm a I'm a Colts fan living in the Philly area, and I don't, don't want Carson Wentz to go to the Colts. You don't want him? No, I don't. No. I think he's going to get too beat up. Yeah, because injuries. I, well, that's what everybody's thinking here. Everybody here is is of the mindset that maybe Frank Reich might want to reunite with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I get that, but I I have trust in Philip Rivers for another year, and I want to see what our boy Ethan can do here. Then, really, so you'd yeah. rather go with your rookie quarterback uh, other than rather than Carson Wentz on that big deal? Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, well, because we don't get. The perspective of teams wanting to of fans of teams wanting to acquire Carson Wentz. So I appreciate you checking in with that, Ryan. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the call. So uh, Ryan is a Colts fan. He doesn't want Carson Wentz. I guess maybe gives you a little indication of what at least some people uh, believe. Because um, you know, I do think there's value out there. I do think there. It only takes one team, one or two teams, um, to you know get into, uh, you know, 
thinking that they can talk themselves into rehabilitating Carson Wentz. And I do think you'll find that out there. And I think there would be value. Um, and it would financially for the Eagles, it would just be so beneficial uh, to move on uh, after this season. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Now, uh, you know, another big topic with the Eagles recently has been the future of Howie Roseman and whether Howie should return with the organization. I, I made my case last week why I would keep Howie Roseman, and I mean, I don't even think it's a question. Howie's going to be back. People can be upset with it if they want, um, but Howie's not going anywhere. Um and I'll kind of give another reason why Howie should stay and just about the history of the Eagles organization and uh, the position that they have been just so great at evaluating over the years. Uh, I want to talk about this in the next segment. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Um, and also, I got to get this idea out there. Of, you know, I heard a caller before I came on call Rob Ellis about uh, getting way ahead of himself about what the Eagles should do in regards to uh, picking Jalen Hurts' next backup. And I have a name that makes too much sense not to happen. So we'll talk about that next. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, In a second, I I do want to go through something with the Eagles organization, which uh, they are better at than anybody else in the NFL. Um, And, uh, you know, it seems like they've done it again. And just just uh, another reason why Howie Roseman um, should stay. And I know it's an unpopular opinion. I know a lot of people want Howie out. I mean, he's not going to go anywhere. Um, he's not going to get fired, nor do I think he should be fired. Um, because, you know, this team is not really that, I, I don't think, um, different than we expected it to be. You know, I... I think we all kind of realized this was going to be kind of a building year for them moving forward um and if they got decent quarterback play they would be walking into the playoffs in this division um I think they'd be either seven and seven eight and six right now I picked them to be eight and eight at the beginning of the season um so if they got better quarterback play uh this team would be exactly where I expected them to be uh so I don't think the issues um moving forward are nearly as bad as everybody else does, especially when you um, hit at one specific position. So we'll get to that in a second. First, let's go to Jerry in Roxborough. What's up, Jerry? Yes, I, I agree with you. How we have done that bad a job? Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, the left tackle, uh, he, and and the quarterback. You know, the backup. Uh, so I don't think he's done a horrible job. Uh, I do have an issue, a couple issues with Doug, mm-hmm. and I like Doug. I don't want to see Doug go either. It's first and ten from the eleven yard line. Throws three passes. You know, could he have given the the run a shot instead of losing twenty yards or fifteen yards and getting sacked? 
Yeah, good. yeah, no, I, I get you on that, Jerry. I think that, you know, you certainly have a point there. I mean, I think Hertz needs to needs to know in that spot. He can't. The he first sack, I'm okay with. I mean, he lost like two yards on that play, and you know, at that point, you're not really in a rush. But the second sack, uh, he can't take. And Doug also has to help him out, knowing you have prior right tackle. Who's, who's well, their ears were pinned back, and they were coming with a fast rush first play because right. they think they have a book and they know what Doug was going to do. Right. They know he was going to throw the ball. But anyhow, you make a good point about uh, Carson Wentz. You got to pay him anyhow. So what's the matter if you pay him here or, or if you just take the cap in? That's what I'm thinking, Jerry, is, it's you no know, difference. right. Like next year, that money's gone, whether he's on the team Either or way. he's not on the team. The only question is whether you want to keep paying him beyond next year. And if you think Hertz is, if not better, even like comparable, or you think he's got a ceiling nearly as high, I don't understand why you just keep Wentz around here and stay hell-bent on fixing him when you can open up all this cap space down the line. I agree with you. The one other thing that bothered me about Doug was he comes out and he says Travis Fogum hasn't played because he's uh, he doesn't work hard in practice. He doesn't work hard in practice. Who cares? He comes into the game, he catches three passes in about three minutes. So I think there's something else going on there. He maybe he had some issues, but I don't care how hard he plays in practice. He comes in and catches passes. Yeah, no, Jerry, and, and I think that's something where I won't – well, I, I mean, uh, Fulgham should be on the field more. No doubt about that. I'm not going to yes. argue that, um, certainly. But I do think there is, you know, uh, something to be said for, for uh, you know, rewarding players who do the right things on the practice field. I mean, I still, as you said, Fulgham should be out there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess it, it has to be something with that because otherwise it makes no sense. doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. So I appreciate right. it, Jerry. Take, Take it, easy. it easy. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, the the Fulgham thing, I I just it's it's baffling. It really is. And finally, he gets on the field late in the fourth quarter, and he's making plays. And it's like, you know, why has he not been on the field consistently after being one of the best receivers in the NFL for about a month? Like, and I get that you want to set a tone. And you want to uh, make players perform in practice um, the way they need to, but it, it just—it's just mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling why Travis Fulgham hasn't been on the field uh, more this year. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, but you know we talk about Howie, and I wanted to get to this real quick because Howie, I feel brings value to this organization and how he deserves to stay with this organization beyond this season. And, um, you know, when you talk about deserving, we had discussed this with, with Mike in South Philly earlier about, uh, you know, deserves to stay and whether that's based on the past or the future. I don't base it on the past. I, th- I think how he, you know, should be here because I trust him to kind of bring the Eagles out of this situation. Like, Howie has made some mistakes in recent years, but Howie in the past has shown an ability to learn from his mistakes and, or, I mean, the mistakes made by other people when you look at the mess he cleaned up uh, from Chip and remedy them moving forward. But 
you know, you look at Howie's draft record, and the Eagles as an organization, and I just, it's insane how good they are at, at this aspect of player evaluation. That is really stunning how much better they are than most teams. But the way the Eagles consistently evaluate quarterbacks is almost like astonishingly good the way they know how to get value from that position. It's the most important position in sports. And while the Eagles certainly have had their issues drafting receivers, drafting corners, we all know about that, their track record with quarterbacks is is insane. When you look all the way going back to Donovan, since they took Donovan in 99, who really, that was supposed to be a good quarterback draft. Donovan McNabb was really the only good quarterback that came out of that draft. You have Dante Culpepper, who had, you know, a couple good years, but as far as a, a, a good quarterback with a prolonged record of success, Donovan was really the only one. And their quarterback evaluations over the years have just been spot on. You know, even when you look at their backups, going back to the early Donovan years, you find a guy like A.J. Feely, who is a useful, productive player you get for nothing. 06, Donovan gets hurt. But you have Jeff Garcia there at good value and a, a good evaluation by the front office and the coaching staff saves that season. You draft Kevin Cobb, that's kind of a miss, but you sign Michael Vick and get great value from that signing. 2012 in the third round, you know, I, I, I actually had some inside information going into that draft, which is something I rarely get, but I was, I was told going into that draft, the Eagles are going to take a quarterback in the third round, and the two guys they like are Russell Wilson and Nick Foles. And unfortunately, Russell Wilson went uh, shortly before the Eagles were going to pick. Well, actually, you know, they, they would have taken Wilson with the Vinnie Curry pick, is what I understood. But Wilson goes before Vinnie Curry. They end up getting Vinnie Curry, and they get Foles in the third round. But again, two guys who evaluated well. You know, they every year they have, you know, done a good job evaluating that position, except the one-year Chip was in charge. They trade for Bradford. You draft Wentz, which Wentz hasn't worked out long-term, but at the time... It was a, a, a good draft selection. Now you draft Jalen Hurts. And, you know, even and after signing Foles back to back up Wentz and, and saving that season. So it, it is kind of crazy. When you look at the Eagles and you look at Howie, for all of the warts that they have had and all the mistakes they've made, I just can't believe looking back, the 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 – the way they evaluate quarterbacks, whether it's their starters or the backups, and we all mock Howie for the quarterback factory thing, and that was a stupid remark um, and looks dumb looking back on it. But uh, the Eagles do have a, a, really a, a remarkable track record at how they evaluate quarterbacks and how they find value at, at that most important position in all sports. Uh, let's get to Vince in Atlanta. What's up, Vince? Hey TK, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Couldn't, agree, couldn't agree with you more on, on on the show tonight. Yeah, I think you could attribute that to Andy Reid. He's like the quarterback whisperer. You're right. The guy has uh, a real eye for that whole thing. I mean, even with Mahomes, uh, he goes to a place and the first thing he does is grab a quarterback. Peterson was under his tutelage for as a player, as a coach. I mean, Peterson backed up Marino and Favre. 
So, yeah, I would say Doug has a good pulse of what a quarterback is, uh, or at least an NFL caliber one. Right. Um, yeah, Vince, yeah, it's just – no, I, no, and I'll let you finish, but it's just crazy when you look at all these other teams who spend, like, you know, decades looking for quarterbacks, and the Eagles just, just seem to find them. Agreed, and it's interesting in the NFL right now, all the really top-tier quarterbacks are old guys. Right. Even here in Atlanta, Matt Ryan's been around forever. Your top players, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Breeze, Brady's still doing it. Philip Rivers is still doing it. Roethlisberger's still – they're all old guys. There's not a young crop of what I would call stellar quarterback play. Well, I think, the, I think the Murrays and the Jacksons and those guys are coming. Mahomes, you know, I, I th- obviously Mahomes. But, you know, I, I do think there are some good young quarterbacks. But it is amazing Agreed. that those older guys are, are still playing at the level, especially like Rodgers and Brady to still be playing at the level they're playing at is, is pretty crazy. All the playoff teams. Right. I mean, are, are old guys. Right. I mean, it's just – so it's telling you something. Um, but that I think you're right. I think the new guard will come in slowly. These guys will kind of – just the father time will catch up with them, and it already is uh, with some of them. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 with, with the whole thing with the Eagles, the biggest disappointing thing with the Eagles, and nobody's talking about this. I'm sure people are up there. But uh, And, and I, I, I've always – this is really my side of the ball in a lot of, on a lot of ways. I just love good defensive football, even though nowadays it's not really a priority for a lot of teams because you could just, you know, win with big numbers. But the Eagles' day this year has been a total disappointment. They were healthy most of the year. Most of the year. I know yesterday they made a big deal, missing a couple guys. But they could have stole a few games, um, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, Vince, I don't think they've been that bad. I mean, they had a couple bad games, certainly. Like, early in the season, the Rams game, they were bad. The Steelers game was by far their worst game of the year. They were terrible in that game. That was actually their numbers are not good, though. Right, their right. Numbers are, but they're, those... they're, they're 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 bottom of the pack in a lot of levels. But they, numbers can they've been healthy. Yeah, but you I know. mean, you but you look at Vince. You look at these games. Really, uh, the last several weeks, like you look at the Cleveland game, the Seattle game. Um, you know, I thought it, the Arizona game. I thought the defense played played certainly well enough to win all three of those games. I don't know. I don't know how. Maybe our expectations of D has come down. You know, <laughs> the quality maybe. of defense. I, I agree with you on that, though. Maybe we've we've expected. You know, hey man, you give up 400 yards and you you give up 20. The days of Jim Johnson, where you're like, we keep the score under 17. You know, that's our that's our threshold there. 20 points, rather. You know, we don't let teams get over that. And so maybe we've kind of, you know, the league's changed. There is a lot more offense now. I mean, it just is what it is. So our our expectations, but they're kind of bottom of the pack in points. And even the rush defense is not really that good. Um, not like it was. It's it's what I'm saying basically is it's it's not kept up. I don't think Jim Schwartz has really built the kind of D that I think people ex- maybe expected. I mean, really he hasn't. Yeah, no. In I... the NFL, if you don't have that quarterback that that as you alluded to, that guy that can make everybody better, you better have a serious defense. Because you're not going to score 30 points a game, and the Eagles aren't. Right. That's why they're losing. In 17, when they had that monster offensive line and that great offense, you know, out there, mainly it was the offensive line. I think I think people don't realize how great that offensive line was in 17. It's been decimated this year. Right. Wayne Johnson, Brandon Brooks didn't play a whole and the whole season. Right. Dillard, no, no, not even the whole season. Just decimated. Literally, the offensive line's been crushed. You know, no D Jacks. Alshon misses the whole year. I mean, the offense is bad, but the D has been attacked. 
No, it's I, been there, and it's not. I don't. Jim Schwartz to me is kind of average. No, I got you, Vince, and I appreciate the call. I, I I disagree with that. Like I, I know Jim Schwartz takes a lot of heat. I think Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator. I, I mean, I, and I I don't really get why Jim Schwartz gets the the hate that he does. Um, you know, you look at that game on Sunday. The Eagles are playing with virtually nobody in the secondary, and they're finding a way. Uh, to, to hang in that game. I thought they did a decent job. I thought defense played well enough to win that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, but again, this is speaks more to the conversation about you trade. do you trade the quarterback? Because, you know, when you're paying a quarterback like that, he's got to make up for those other things, and Wentz just can't do it. 215-592-9494. Gerald, I see you there. You'll be first right after the break. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple segments here before we talk to Al for the Overlap Show. I need to check in with Al about how his experience with his iPhone is going because I know he's struggling with it at first. Uh, so I'll see if it's gotten any better for Al as he uh, learns the learns the uh, uh, iPhone. Uh, so we'll uh, talk to Al in a little bit here. But if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. In the next segment, I'll give you my predictions for the NBA season as it gets started tonight uh, in empty arenas, but hopefully um, by the end of the season, by the playoffs, hopefully we'll have full arenas with, you know, playoff basketball. And, and that would be, uh, that would be great. You know, the vaccine is, is coming. My, my sister-in-law is a healthcare worker. She got vaccinated over the weekend. So, uh, you know, the, the more it gets distributed, hopefully, um, by, you know, late spring, early summer, uh, the NBA finals be taking place in July. Hopefully we'll have, if not completely full, mostly full arenas for, uh, the postseason this year. 215-592-9494. I also got to give you my, my theory on how the Eagles quarterback situation, uh, needs to end in the most fitting way possible. So we'll do all that, uh, before we get out of here. Let's go to Gerald in LA. What's up, Gerald? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm starting to wonder a little bit. You were talking about how Fulgham, you know, was number one receiver for five weeks and then disappeared. And I'm really starting to wonder what's going on with Doug and his his talent evaluation. Because it was like the only reasons why Malata is starting is because of injuries. The only reasons why Fulgham got a chance was because of injuries. Jaquette, who granted he was up against one of the best receivers in the league and the guy got his, but he played well Saturday. We got a we got a running back who can't get the ball enough to really show what he what he brings to the table in Sanders, and I'm just really starting to question like these guys aren't even getting opportunity, and I I just you know we don't know what Quez Watkins is, we don't really know what Jalen Rager is. We're starting to see a little bit, but it's like part of it is because. Doug's just not playing them, or he's sitting them, or he's not creating stuff for them. Yeah, Gerald. I mean, really. Yeah, I don't know. Like, honestly, and I, I have no good answer for you. Like, I don't know if that's a Doug decision. I don't know if it's a front office decision. Obviously, you know, you'd think maybe the front office wants Alshon on the field because of his contract. I don't know. I mean, they've said in the past with the running backs, they've said that's Deuce's call when to rotate them, whether that's really true or not. I'm not sure. And, you know, 
The Jason yeah. Peters one is interesting, and we don't know for a fact, but Jason Peters was shut down after they made the quarterback change. Now, I don't but know. Remember, but remember, I know Wentz won. and Peters are close. Maybe Wentz wanted Peters out there. I don't know. But remember, remember, they didn't bring Peters in to play that position. They He got put there because of injury. So it was because Doug didn't think that Malata could step up and take that spot until after Peters got hurt again and they didn't have a choice. So there, there was opportunities to try these things. And, and then the same thing when you talk about that they want, um, they want the, you know, the older receivers out there. Well, our receivers were hurt all season. So all these young guys could have been playing. And I, I just – I'm really starting to – you know, I'm, I'm not defending Howie because Howie has, has, you know, missed on a bunch of picks and, and given out some bad contracts and things. But he's getting all this flack for missing on all these picks. And I'm like – well, all of a sudden, these guys out of nowhere are showing that they have some talent. Maybe the coach just isn't putting the right people in the right spot to, to make something happen. Yeah, Gerald, I honestly, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Some of these decisions are, are confusing. You know, I'll, I, and I have no clue what kind of say the quarterbacks have over the guys they're playing with. I, and this is just, I, I have no clue. This is just a, a is a theory based on the timing of everything, but Jason Peters playing with an injury all the way up until they made the quarterback change, and then Jason Peters wasn't playing anymore. Now, uh, you know, maybe Wentz wanted Peters out there. Maybe, I mean, we know they're tight. That maybe feels more comfortable with Peters out there. I don't know. We know apparently Quez Watkins is Jalen Hurts' guy, and all of a sudden Jalen Hurts is playing and Quez Watkins playing. So, you know, that could have something to do with it. I'm sure that's not the final decision-making point, but I get an organization wanting to put players out there that quarterbacks are um, comfortable with. I don't think that's the only um, aspect of it. But, yeah, you can hold Doug somewhat accountable for that. You can hold the front office accountable for that. Um, and, and as far as the running backs, why Sanders wasn't playing at, playing at times, again, uh, who knows? I've, I know in the past they have said the running back rotation is strictly Deuce's call. You know, uh, I guess you kind of have to take them at their word a little bit. I'm sure Doug has a say in it. Um, but, yeah, some of the personnel decisions this year, when guys are playing, who's playing, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, uh, unfortunately, I really don't have a, a great answer for you there. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, 215-592-9494. When we get back, I'll give you my uh, NBA predictions for this year. Um, and also, uh, this 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 theory I have on the Eagles quarterback situation. There's only one way this can end, uh, and it would be the most fitting way possible. So we'll uh, talk about that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. Um, my last overnight of the week, a little different schedule this week. I'll be in uh, hosting um, the afternoon show on Thursday on Christmas Eve in for Marks and Reese. Uh, so I'll be in uh, that day 
Um, and then I'll be covering for the midday show on Friday from 10 to 2. So uh, a little different schedule this week with the holidays uh, with people out. I'm on Christmas Eve afternoon, Christmas Day on the midday show. So uh, that should be fun. Um, but I can't believe I forgot to get to this real quick is, you know, uh, I'll do my uh, let you know my NBA predictions real quick before I get to this other NBA story, which I can't believe I forgot to talk about um, for this long. But um, when I look at the uh, the NBA this year, um, I, I think this is finally the year in the Eastern Conference that Giannis gets to the finals. You know, they have bumped up against it the uh, last few seasons, two years ago. I mean, they, they were up 2-0 against Toronto with, you know, a, a lead at the end of game three where if they win that game, they're up 3-0. That series is probably over. They end up losing in overtime. Toronto comes back and wins that series. And we all know what happened to the Bucks last year. They lose to Miami. Um, but they add Drew Holiday. They need to add to their bench. They don't have enough right now. But um, I think the Bucks end up uh, getting over the hump this year. I think they'll add throughout the season. They'll add some pieces. And I think they end up winning the East this season. Um, I, I think they beat the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I have the Sixers losing in the second round um, uh, of the playoffs to Milwaukee. But I think Milwaukee gets through the East this year. Um, in the West, I like the Lakers uh, to beat the Clippers. I think the Clippers... Um, will get to the conference finals this year with another year under their belt, uh, more chemistry. They added Serge Ibaka, which I think is a good signing for them. Um, they added a little bit to their bench. Uh, so uh, I still like the Lakers, though, to get through the West. And then the NBA Finals have the Lakers beating the Bucks. So I have the Lakers uh, repeating this season. I think they're the best team again. They're even better than they were last year. They add um, Schroeder. From OKC, they add Marcus Gasol, they add Montrez Harrell. I mean, it's 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 incredible uh, how they have made that team even better. And I mean, I'll believe LeBron is going to regress when I see LeBron regress. Like I, I, I you know, it, it's it's crazy the way he continues to play at this level. Um, it's like. Him and Brady are the only guys that play like this this late into their careers. And LeBron, I mean, you could still argue he's the best player in the league. It's crazy. Um, but him and Anthony Davis obviously worked out well last year. Um, I'd expect them to sit a lot early in the season. I mean, the, the season basically just ended. They're right back at it. But um, they play the Clippers tonight. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, but... Uh, I do like the Lakers to repeat as champions and uh, LeBron to get his fifth title, inching him closer uh, to Michael Jordan. So that's my my pick for this NBA season is uh, the Lakers over the Bucks, and I do think Giannis wins the MVP again as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, let's get Ryan and Westchester up here. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how's it going? Good morning. Good. How are you? Good. I'm I'm pretty sure we did sign Jordan Howard to the practice squad. Is that true? Or yeah, he's uh, yeah he's on the practice squad. He played, I think, in the Green Bay game. He played. 
Okay. I'm assuming he's not the player he was last year because with those third and short situations we had last Sunday, we probably could have used his uh, big body to get those yards. Yeah, I, you know, Ryan, I'm not a big Jordan Howard guy. Like, he, he, he had some decent games last year, but he's not a very explosive player. I, I think any time you're putting him on the field instead of Miles Sanders, you, you're hurting your offense. Well, I agree. I just don't know, like, with Miles Sanders being, a, you know, getting 18 touches a game or, you know, averaging, um, obviously he's not a three-down back. But, um, you know, I don't know how much Boston Scott's cutting in, you know, to kind of cover him. I'm, at what point do we see enough on the kick returns with Boston Scott not working out? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, not sure what the – you know, situ- situation is with Jordan uh, with uh, Jalen Rager, but I mean, I think he would do a better job than Boston Scott on that. Uh, Ryan, it, I I I totally agree. Like, I don't understand why you don't put somebody anybody else back there. I mean, Boston Scott, and he, he you know, he, he does what he can for his size and skill level, but he has absolutely no explosiveness in the return game. Like, I I don't get why you wouldn't try anybody else back there. Yeah, and uh, we just—I mean—it seems like the the special teams altogether just need to be completely, uh, you know, reexamined as far as you know, with the the you know fair catches, you know, outside the you know twenty, and then you know, kind of—I'm sorry, inside the twenty, and then letting the ball just you know roll at the twenty. I mean, we—it seems like we got that cleaned up a little bit, but you know, special teams altogether just you know. They've been—they've been horrendous. They've been absolutely horrendous, and you know. I, one of the things that's going to happen this offseason, I think it's pretty obvious, uh, Dave Phipp, the, the special teams coach, has got to be fired. He just, you can't survive this kind of year. Yeah, and I, and I hope Jalen Rager, I, I don't know you know, if he's going to be that elite receiver, but if, if not, I mean, just use him as what they did in college. And, you know, it, it seems like he can turn on the Jets when he wants to, but it's just a matter of, you know, putting him in the right spot because obviously with kick returns – they're different than punts, but, uh, you know, the speed's got to be seen somewhere else. And Boston Scott just seems like he's too short to see, the, you know, the openings and how the field opens up on the kick returns. But, you know, that's all I got. I appreciate you taking my call. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. No, no special teams this year. I said it yesterday when I was on. I've never seen the Eagles have special teams this bad in my life. Like, I, really, it's been – it's every week it's something different, whether it's Elliott and all the issues he's had this year. I mean – I don't know how many times you got like I I don't understand why Jalen Rager is not returning punts. It just doesn't make any sense. And this goes to to Vince's uh, point earlier, where some of the, I mean, some of the 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 personnel decisions the Eagles have made. I and I'm I like Doug. I don't want Doug fired. I, I think that would be ridiculous. But I don't understand some of these decisions that are being made. I don't know who's making them, but. Why Jalen Rager isn't returning punts when Greg Ward, who they say he's back there for his judgment in when to catch balls, when to let him go, he doesn't do that well. Like, I, I don't get that part of it. I mean, special teams lost you the game on Sunday. And, and that, that, that's really disappointing. That can't happen. You can't lose games because of special teams in the NFL. Um, the margin for error is just way too, too small for you to lose games uh, because of your special teams. And it's happened too much this year. And it happened again on, on Sunday. And, you know, I, I didn't even, I forgot to even mention the fake punt they gave up, which was such an obvious fake punt situation that, 
you know, if I'm saying before the play to my wife, the Eagles should watch a fake punt here, the Eagles should be watching a fake punt. Like, it, it, it was a, it's fourth and two at midfield. You got to recognize that that's a situation where the Cardinals might fake it. So, um, yeah, special teams have been awful, and I don't see how FIP can be back next year. But before I get out of here, I, I, can't, I can't believe I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, but it, it was a day in the, in the NBA where they, you know, I believe it's one of the final days they can extend players, give players extensions um, before the next, uh, before the season begins. Because a bunch of players signed deals on Monday. And one of the deals that I saw was Markel Fultz signed an extension with the Orlando Magic for three years and $50 million. Now, I mean, I am not going to lie to you and tell you I've watched a ton of Markel Fultz in Orlando. I don't know how much better he's gotten since he was with the Sixers. But I can guarantee you Markel Fultz making $50 million is absurd. Like, I mean, and, you know, I don't, you know, I I don't want to be harsh here, but I am not a fan of Markel Fultz. I thought what he did with the Sixers, regardless of the issues he was going through with his shot, I know it must have been a very difficult situation. He comes in as a 19-year-old kid. He has a ton of expectations as the number one overall pick. And, you know, he's coming into a city like Philadelphia with, again, high expectations. But the way he handled all of that was awful. Because if you remember how it went down, Markel Fultz was with the Sixers. Then... He got benched one night. He got benched for T.J. McConnell. um, And then, mysteriously, he left and he was out for the rest of the season with shoulder injury. Like, you know, I I don't know how the severity of the injury, whether it was physical, whether it was mental, we can argue about that forever. Nobody really knows. Markel Fultz is one of the greatest mysteries in, in all of sports, as far as I can remember. But... Him quitting on the team like that, which I think was clearly him quitting on the team, whatever whatever physical issues he had before, you know, I think it's clear that it didn't just crop up that night. You know, it doesn't take a real um, investigator to understand that he all of a sudden didn't you know, he gets this injury the night he gets benched for another player. Uh, he bailed, he bailed on the Sixers. Um, you know, he he it must have been a tough situation, but he didn't handle it well. And I, I just think the idea of of him getting that kind of contract is just is just insane. Um, again, I haven't watched him much in Orlando. I can't imagine he's improved that much for a guy who was traded two years ago for Jonathan Simmons at the deadline, a guy who couldn't even crack the Sixers rotation. Um, And yeah, I'm not a Markel Fultz fan. And uh, 
I, I really don't wish him good luck moving forward because I thought he was a baby and I thought he really handled himself poorly when he was in Philadelphia. Uh, so I was just stunned, absolutely stunned uh, to see that contract. Uh, but that'll do it for the show tonight. Thank you to Dan Wilson for producing the show. I'll be back on uh, Christmas Eve, Thursday, uh, from 2 to 6, filling in for Marks and Reese. Next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.